everybody. Welcome back. It's another daily drop. Hope you're feeling fully flushed and refreshed after yesterday's this is only session two, Leon. We were really going to pace ourselves. That's true. And to be honest, a lot of people won't have managed to get through listening to the whole of session one in a day because it was long. Mm -hmm. So it may not be the next day when you hear this, but you get the general gist anyway. Uh, my name's Leon. I'm here with Ryan. Mm -hmm. Coming up in today's chunk of... Kane and Rince contributors talk about the games that came out and that they played in 2019. This is Leah, Ryan Quintel, Brian and Carl coming back in uh, with some uh, some pretty cool games in this one. You get to hear a really touching story, actually, of uh, Ryan Quintel's adventures with fitness boxing. You get to hear uh, some really interesting takes on Death Stranding. Of course, a game that is endlessly perplexing. You get to hear... Um, some super cool enthusiasm about control and uh, there's yeah there's a lot of good stuff the session so um, yeah I'm I'm excited to re-listen how are we doing for spoilers in this chat are we keeping it on the down low yeah I think uh, I think the general gist of things is that um, let's consider it not entirely spoiler free but very conscious and very spoiler light so you know if you want to go into these games knowing absolutely nothing about them then maybe skip 30 seconds every once in a while but uh but for the most part we're not going to be ruining any games for anybody well not in so many ways anyway <laughs> not the story <laughs> anyways we might tell you to steer ways. away from certain games but <laughs> yeah oh we might just tell you like uh, like other outlets do that you're wrong for enjoying something no, we, wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't ever do that <laughs> Welcome to Kane and Rinse End of the Year. This is uh, session two. I don't know if we are identifying sessions in the final product, but if we are, this is session two. Uh, I am Leah Haydu. I am kind of wrangling this whole this whole session here. Yep, that's right. And uh, God, keeping the cat already... out of the yarn, so to speak. Yeah, you know, I was going to say herding the cats, but keeping the cat out of the yarn actually uh is uh is probably a better uh and more relevant um phrase for today um so we are going to be going over some of our favorite games from and maybe some of our not so favorite games we'll see uh from mm. the year 2019 uh and uh joining me today i have a lovely cast of characters we have uh brian edwards hello 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 uh ryan quintal hi everybody Hey, hi, hello, hi. and Carl Moon. Hey, everyone. Hey. So we are starting in the very beginning. There was fitness boxing. <laughs> yeah. So so let me just back up a few minutes here and say that before all of this. No, I, <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, we are going to go through um, a list of the games that uh, we played in the year. Uh, not all of us played all of these games, but uh, many of us played many of these games. So uh, we're going to get on into that and you'll hear what we have to say. And uh, starting off. I actually looked at this and saw that it was a 2018 release and went, yeah, I'm just going to cut that off. And then I actually looked at the end of the year traffic lights and we did have one person who was uh, extra green on fitness boxing. Extra so green. Opted, yeah, extra green. It was with the exclamation point and all. Uh, so fitness boxing for the Nintendo Switch uh, came out in 2018 in most territories, but I think it just actually made it into 2019 for uh for 
um, relevance? the U.S. Yes. <laughs> yeah, relevance, yes, in the U.S., actually. Yeah. Um, so, um, Ryan, you are the extra green. You want to talk about fitness boxing? <sighs> yeah, I'm going to. Are you guys ready for this? It's getting a little heavy. First I'm thing super on the ready. Show? Yeah, I'm impressed. Absolutely. So cut to uh, December uh, of 2018, I guess. I get on the scale and I see that I am the heaviest I've ever been. You guys, I was 398 pounds and it was uh, a shock. And it, I felt, you know, ashamed and all the like mixed emotions. And I said, I have to do something. And so I downloaded a demo of this fitness boxing game and I played the demo and it kicked my ass. It was really tough. And I was like, okay, maybe this is something I can do because when you're, when you're heavy, uh, or if you just have, you know, body issues or whatever, you don't like going to the gym. You don't like getting sweaty in front of strangers. So I bought fitness boxing and I did it and I, I have stuck with it and I am down 40 pounds this year. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. And it's, and I got to tell you, well, of course, diet and exercise are in there. You know, I'm using my Apple Watch and tracking my move goals, but found that I was able to sneak off into my basement or a room in the house, pull off the Joy-Cons and do a round of fitness boxing for 15, 30 minutes a day and even just a few days a week. And it, it really has transformed my year of uh, of health. That's really cool. I, I did not know Honestly, I didn't even know that fitness boxing existed. I mean, I, yeah, obviously, a lot of right. yeah. a lot of people have, uh, and me me included, recently have um, have been, you know, very uh, into the the ring fit uh, as kind of a fad type of thing. But yeah, the fitness boxing, it's it's interesting to me that like Nintendo has actually had a fair amount of success with those kinds of things like they don't just I mean there was you know the Wii Fit and there's been Wii Sports and everything and but like that they have had such success in maybe not even you know huge numbers but like yeah. you know personal stories of people who have have just gotten really in sync with these things is I, I think super cool well mm. it's it's really clear to because I, I as I'm using the Apple Watch tracking it's tracking my heart rate so it really knows how many calories I'm burning but right. I put in my height and weight into fitness boxing and their calorie estimates at the end of the workouts are, you know, they're within 5% up or down of the actual numbers. So they're they're putting an effort there to make it a, a pretty good tracking of how many calories you're really burning. Now, Ryan, as somebody who hasn't played this, I've only seen um, a couple things on online about it. Did it did it come with any like plastic accessory? Like, are you just holding the Joy Cons in your hands, no, or like yeah. is there like a thing you got to strap to your leg, or so it's just <laughs> it's really just put your put the Joy Cons in your hands and go to work type of thing? It did well. Put on those safety straps. Like, let's not get. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think it has all the same problems that these fitness games on any console have, which is that. If you guys remember like old Wii bowling or monkey ball bowling, you can just kind of flick your wrist and get a strike. Yeah, right. You can cheese it, right? You can cheat, but you know, I I had had to make a conscious effort of like, okay, who am I really cheating here? Myself, right? Well, I mean, I think these games always run on a bit of an honor system, right? Yeah. So totally. you know, you if you're if you're not being honorable to the intent of the game, then what's the purpose of doing them? And it's kind of cool to hear a story about someone who's actually come in with the intent to actually benefit from the purpose of a, of these kinds of products because you know the, the there's been many of them over time and i've always wanted to try and pick them up um and probably the only one i ever tried was can you remember ufc fitness training or whatever oh, it was called yeah. back on the xbox I think that was a week 360 oh, wow, that was a week one. getting no, in the cage yeah 
Yeah, and it was with the Connect, and I used it with Wits, and uh, honestly, I, d- I did it for two days, and I was like, "Kill me now!" Like, <laughs> never, lo- never loaded it up again. My, like, my, I, I swear, my shoulders have never felt the same since. Um, but <laughs> I, like, I, for me, it did its job. Two days—that's all I needed. Um, life, lifetime of it, of it now. Uh, no, it's the the do work, but you have to be honourable, um, and kind of the ability to keep coming back the game has to offer something in that regard, right? So there's obviously something in fitness boxing that saw you return more than just the desire to think, I need to, you know, look after my health and this is what I'm going to do. There's got to be something to draw you back in because that that's kind of where the UFC game fell short for me personally. I think having the Apple Watch as like an external thing, making sure I kept my streaks going and, and you know, I was definitely leaning on that and, you know, I was tracking the things that I ate uh, and at the end of this year, I'm, you know, I may have put five or ten of it back on. I need to get back on the bandwagon. But uh, the the game is not perfect. The soundtrack is all kind of MIDI files of popular songs. Hmm. Uh, and they do that so that they can have a variable bit rate as you, like, turn up the intensity. The songs can get faster and longer and that sort of thing. And there's not that many songs. Like, I wish that they treated this a little bit more like a service because I'd be happy to buy new lessons and new songs and all of that stuff. But you you can kind of tell that they they put this out and moved on to Ring Fit pretty quickly, it seems. Well, I think there's something to that, though. I mean, if if I uh, have <laughs> I have started Ring Fit, I've only done it once. Um, and it man, I <laughs> walking around is painful right now. But um, I I had um, kind of a smaller version. I started a desk job a couple of years ago. I guess it was maybe around when I started uh, recording with Kane and Rinse full time. Um, and I, uh, I've never been a particularly big person, but I put on about 50 pounds when I started a desktop because, because, you know, I'm not on my feet for nine hours a day anymore. Yeah, exactly. And all those free office snacks. I know. And it's, it's wild. So, I mean, I, I, I was, kind of brushing it off for a long time and you know i with something like this i mean i have a stationary bike that i have started using in the past six months or so oh, cool. uh so that's helping some but also this uh this ring fit thing i i'd kind of written it off because you know i tried doing the Wii fit thing back when that was a thing and you know i've tried uh, various exercise type programs that just kind of go along with whatever console it is I happen to have at the time. But I had heard a lot of really good things about the ring fit from people whose opinions I actually do trust in that matter. Uh, So if that's if that's something that kind of grew out of what they learned with fitness boxing, then hopefully it'll uh, it'll be effective for me as well. If I can keep it up, because, man, it's (laughs) it is not a joke. It is. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. You know, I think the stuff that they've added to or the stuff that when I Ring Fit was coming out, I was like, oh, an RPG, a character, mm-hmm. levels, environments, enemies, uh, you know, leveling up, all of that sort of stuff is the mm-hmm. type of thing that would put fitness boxing over the top. But, you know, I, I know we're not going to spend the whole time on fitness boxing, nor should <laughs> we, but it's suffice to say, if you are a person who maybe can't make it or you're finding excuses not to go to the gym this is something you can use. It can be effective for you and you can throttle it back and forth because it is just the joy cons, right? You can, mm-hmm. if it's telling you to bounce up and down on, you know, on the heels of your feet, then you can back that down and be flat footed. If, you know, if you're not able to do that, if you don't have the full power to throw a super hard punch, 
throw a little bit lighter and you can kind of adjust it to what's right for your body. Yeah. Doing something is always better than not doing anything. So that's, I'm told, that, but tell that to my, I, I mean, I <laughs> tell guess, that to my uh, biceps after an yeah, hour right? with fitness I'm, boxing. <laughs> Truth. Sometimes your body doesn't always agree with what your brain's saying. Uh, speaking of not agreeing with what your brain is telling you, uh, <laughs> the next game on the list is Resident Evil 2. My brain told me, don't play this game. It's very scary. Uh, that's, I mean, it, it's true that it's scary. I, I was I was jumpy, but uh, my brain wasn't really telling me not to play it. I just thought that was a good segue. Anyway... <laughs> Resident Evil 2 um, came out in January of 2019 and is a remake, obviously, of the original Resident Evil 2, which I did not write down the release year for, but it was quite a while ago. Thank you, Carl. Uh, 1998. I was hoping somebody would have that. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I never played the original Resident Evil 2. I've watched a lot of video on it, but it was not something that I was into at the time. And I just kind of never went back. Like, I've played the original Resident Evil because it's been re-released so many times that it's, you know, a lot easier to get a hold of. And now, after Resident Evil 7, they had this engine, and what do we do with it but bring back a game that is beloved by many and made it way more accessible and, for my money, a lot more fun. Um, So, who here played Resident Evil 2 and did you like it? Um, I played uh, Resident Evil uh, 2 both before and uh, the remake. Um, I played the clearly the best way to play it originally, which was on the Nintendo 64 <laughs> via card. Yeah, obviously. obviously the best, uh, the most optimal way to play the game. Definitive. Um, the definitive yeah, edition. Absolutely. With the best controller, the, obviously. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Um, I, really, <laughs> I really liked it when I was a kid. Um, and uh, I, I, I played it, you know, kind of extensively, played a bunch of different playthroughs. Um, I'm probably going to be the outlier here. At least I think I'm going to be. I played the Resident Evil 2 remake. I played the Leon A campaign um, and I had full uh, plans to go back in and, and play through all four, play all the, a, you know, the Leon and Claire A and B playthroughs. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find much to draw me back in. This game, this game has a lot of uh, a lot of fans, and and a lot of people said incredibly glowing things about it. And it's going towards the end of the year, you know, you see people kind of talking about their games of the year type thing, and this is on the top of a lot of people's list. But for me, it was a beautiful game, and it was a, a remaster of a game I really liked. Um, just the kind of whole of it, for some reason, didn't get its hooks in me for for any reason. I I, I didn't find it all too memorable. Um, I also probably to give it some context, I was a very, very big fan of resident evil seven. I was curious uh, about that. So yeah. I think no matter what, even this resident evil two remake is clearly quality done with love. They added, I mean, they rebuilt the game from the ground up. It was clearly a labor of love and, and really like show showcase the, the great points of resident evil two. But to me, it still kind of felt like a step back. I missed the, I, I missed the horror, the first person, the, the steps that they took in Resident Evil 7. So I, I think that kind of limited my enjoyment of it. But like I said, I'm I'm definitely, the, I think, the edge case. Because, because even so, I mean, it was still a really polished and fun experience. It just maybe isn't what I'm looking for out of Resident Evil anymore. I think that probably speaks more to it for me. I mean, of course, all opinions are subjective. So, uh, Brian, yeah. you're subjectively dead to me now. <laughs> because I thought I get it. Resident yeah, Evil 2 I, was incredible. You're not the only one, Carl. <laughs> so, uh, it, it was obviously a title I was looking forward to for a long time. I mentioned this on the Resident Evil 2 recording that we actually did uh, for Kane and Rince. Uh, it was a long time coming, and I went and bought the Deluxe Edition for the niche reason that one of the outfits you could use was the biker outfit that was in the 
uh, yeah. ill-fated now Resident Evil 1.5 that didn't quite get released. <laughs> and um, that's always the image that I've always had in my head of the underground car park with the, you know, the biker outfit. As a result, I had to have that. Eliza's outfit, I think Eliza was going to be her, 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 the original name. So I got suckered into the top edition for that one. It was a birthday present to myself uh, in January, and I went through this game. I didn't talk to anyone. I turned my phone off. My girlfriend was in the room at the time. I mean, I didn't talk didn't talk to her either. <laughs> you politely asked her like, to leave. Like, that, that, no, I just turned the headphones right up, like just I pretended she wasn't there. And this was important for the experience of Resident Evil 2. And I fell in love with it. I, I, I loved the recreation of the uh, environments from the original, sort of the reimagined areas, the way that things had been cleverly reworked, similar to the Resident Evil remake that was originally on the GameCube, where it was the same game, but it was just cleverly reimagined enough that you couldn't ever remain confident that something was going to be the same. And they did that same thing with Resident Evil 2, and obviously the RE engine, which... I think I read the other day, surprisingly, isn't the Resident Evil engine. It's like the Reach for the Skies engine or something they call it. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently so. Apparently it is not Resident Evil engine. I I just, again, something I loved the way that things rendered out in that engine and I just felt myself completely lost in that world. I ran straight through the Claire campaign. Uh, So the start screen got me grade, was very unhappy with it. Turned around, did it again with Leon. Then I did it straight away again with Claire and got like the speed run for the unlimited pistol ammo. And I just kept going back in. Um, there's actually the little side campaigns I haven't been back to yet because, uh, as I'm sure people are aware, listening back to this, this year was kind of full of really good games. For all of us on the podcast, we all have like ridiculous backlogs anyway. So things do sneak in. So I kind of had to put it aside because I thought three completions was enough for that moment in time. Um, but, <laughs> but for me, I absolutely fell in love with Resident Evil 2. I can't wait for the Resident Evil 3 remake, which has to happen. And I think probably the most surprising thing is Resident Evil 6 was obviously a disgusting abomination of a game. And then <laughs> Resident Evil 7 came out and it was that reimagined first person view. And I was like, well, okay, do you know what I can get behind? This is how Resident Evil has to be from now on. They've nailed it. And then they've done Resident Evil 2. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> I kind of like this more. <laughs> let's stick with this and let 7 be like what that is. Um, so yeah, I mean, two Resident Evil games changing up the way that Resident Evil is perceived. And I kind of love them both. So um, yeah, Resident Evil 2, huge win. Um, in this year for me uh, very rarely does a game come out that I'm so psyched for uh, that doesn't actually underwhelm uh, for me like it actually sort of exceeded my expectations in probably every area of that game and that is incredibly rare I absolutely adored that game that's really cool yeah I didn't I didn't really have many expectations going into it because like I said I hadn't played uh, the original Resident Evil 2 but I did love 7 so mm-hmm. uh, I yeah I, I don't very often go back in and replay a game immediately, but I did do both A campaigns uh, back to back because, you know, I just I was having a lot of fun with it and I didn't want to really stop at that time. Yeah. So uh, I didn't play the B campaigns yet, but I still in in the inevitable and I'm not saying inevitable in that we are covering it in the next volume. I don't know. Don't at me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know when we will be covering it, but I'm sure that at some point we will probably cover the Resident Evil 2 remake uh, on the main Kaneran show. And uh, when we do, that would probably be a great excuse for me to uh, go back and 
play the B campaigns too. So, uh, but yeah, I, I had uh, a, a pretty, uh, pretty positive reaction toward it overall as well. Uh, really enjoyed it uh, and thought that the something that often will bother me in some of the older Resident Evil games is that I will get stuck and not mm. really be able to progress unless I go looking for walkthrough of some kind, which I can do. That's fine. You know, I I don't have anything against that, but I never really felt that I needed to. And I'm not sure whether that's just because they, I don't think they made it easier, but I think that that maybe they made things flow a little bit better than they might have in some of the older games. So I I was very pro that. (laughs) I like that it, it feels like with this remake and I think this, you know, in many ways sets a bar for, how to do a remake for, you know, any, any other company, please pay attention to what they did with Resident Evil 2. Uh, we, we can only hope the Final Fantasy 7 is, you know, in a similar vein of <laughs> Fingers uh, crossed. improvement. I like that they take the Resident Evil 2 story and they just like give it a Passover and it feels cleaned up in some ways. And if they can do that with three, I always wondered why the Resident Evil movies were so like totally off in this, you know, left field thing, because the storyline, you know, at least through Resident Evil 2 is a pretty coherent story to tell. Um, And if they if they can do that and get their kind of canon cleaned up and in order, I think that this, you know, this is a really compelling series. And do you guys think that they'll do a, you know, like a Forza Horizon, Forza Motorsport, the first person horror Resident Evil, and then the third person maybe remake a little bit more? actiony third person resident evil like back and forth alternating so i don't i don't know because i uh i, I think it was maybe the giant bomb cast this week that i was listening to who who said this but like once they've gotten through resident evil 3 as a remake which i i think a few sources have pretty much said yeah, yeah. they're doing this yeah, which I mean, gamer came out and said yeah, it last it, week it yeah. makes a lot of sense a lot of the groundwork's already laid and you know it would make them a lot of money and i'm pretty sure they like money but um once they <laughs> Once they get through that, like, what do you do? Because Resident Evil 4 is still in a state where it is very playable in its, you know, semi-original condition. There have been yeah. so many on, releases yeah, of Resident Evil Yeah, it's on everything, 4. too. I mean, you can play it on my Switch right now. It's Yeah, it's crazy. Do you do a full-scale remake of Resident Evil 4? Or do you start doing things like Code Veronica and, you know, like the, the side stories? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I am the guy who would buy them all. Uh, oh, so, I probably you know, would I'd, too, but I'd you know, absolutely I'd... be up for four being completely remastered or redone. But I do think that the because obviously Resident Evil Seven brought a huge amount of success to that franchise. It, it made it a relevant franchise again, um, and I think to lose that formula so soon for no reason other than Resident yeah. Evil Two struck a chord yeah. seems pointless. I'd be all for them going between the two. I, th- I think there's more than enough room, and let's, let's be honest, the Resident Evil Seven style. Um, first person adventure is far more compelling than the Survivor series, which was their shooting series. So you potentially they'll they'll spin them off, but I, th- I think none will be a spin off in the regard that it doesn't matter as much as the mainline. I think they'll both be potential mainlines aside each other, and I do think the the Horizon yeah. and Motorsport um, sort of comparison it would be essentially relevant for for Resident Evil, and of course it would start generating money again for Capcom, who do a real good job at these things. Hopefully we will uh, hear more about, at the very least, the uh, 
the purported Resident Evil 3 remake in the months to come and uh, maybe see that next year. That'd be cool. I would play that. I still want them to bring back the Resident Evil when I hit that start <laughs> button. That's important. Yeah, well, that I, I, I feel like that's something that they could probably figure out. Yeah, um, that's DLC. <laughs> that's DLC. Yes, I love it. DLC. <laughs> but it's paid DLC. Only it's $5 for that yeah. <laughs> I'm paying it. <laughs> I think a lot of people would, frighteningly enough. Okay, so uh, moving on from Resident Evil 2, a game that a lot of people seemed to really like and that kind of came out of nowhere from what I could kind of tell. Uh, Apex Legends uh, came out in February of this year. Um, I did not play Apex Legends, so I'm going to leave this one to you guys. Yeah, it was a it was kind of like a stealth announce thing uh, earlier in the year. I I think uh, if I remember correctly too, a lot of my history of the year is also filtered through the giant bombcast as well, Leah. So I'm pretty <laughs> yeah, sure like that's... it was one of those things that like they invited kind of influencers and influencers, excuse me, and people out to see it on like a Tuesday, and then on Friday they just released it. But yeah, it was a respawn battle royale game essentially, uh, th- teams of three, and and obviously everybody knows what Apex Legends at this point. Um, I've not really been a huge like online shooter guy most of my life i mean i played you know call of duty modern warfare the original one like a lot of people but kind of dipping in and out of things like that over, over the years but i've i've put over 100 hours in apex legends this year wow yeah i really um i really love this game it's got some issues um with monetization i think and i think they've been kind of refreshingly open about it they're they when when they it seems like their path has kind of been they roll out a new event People are pissed with how they've monetized it. They fix it, and then the event ends, and they kind of do that again the next time out. And mm-hmm. um, it, 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 now the, ba- the base game is free to play. Yeah, is that complete, right? yeah, yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, the base game is free to play. So, and you can actually earn a decent amount of the um, premium currency in the game to unlock other characters. So you kind of play as um, heroes, or you know these 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 legends, um, each of which which have a different ability and skill set, and kind of a different ultimate um, they can use. But essentially, they they all play f- um, they play. S- it's differently, but but the general mechanic is you land with nothing, open the crate, find a gun, find attachments for the gun, and then just keep looting and working your way towards the center to try to beat the team that comes out on top. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure what that is. It, it, it sounds, even hearing myself say those words out loud, like, it sounds boring to me. I don't, um, but the way that Respawn just makes shooters, just the movement the 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 shooting the way that um the choke points are designed to kind of to make players come together it encourages unlike a player unknown's battleground it encourages players to interact quicker it rewards you for kind of getting in the mix sooner um i think the leveling up structure is is rewarding i think their battle pass has 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 really given you a reason to want to kick money in i have no problem kicking in ten dollars once every three months for a game I've spent a hundred hours on. Um, it just yeah. it's it's really smart and well designed and it's colorful and vibrant in a way you don't normally associate with competitive shooters. Like normally competitive shooters are like you know military gray brown and like this is just like purple yeah. and blue landscapes and like you're in a fire area then you're in an ice area and it's just kind of like it's kind of wild the 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 schemes that, that they use. It reminds you more of an Overwatch than kind of anything else in its mm. color scheme, but it plays like Titanfall. It's it's really it does a lot of things really well i think and and i and i've honestly played it mostly solo um and not to i could talk about this game for forever so i'll shut up soon but the the (laughs) the systems that they've integrated in order to communicate if you're playing solo um are really really smart and and they were instantly copied by other shooters in the genre i think it really took the idea of like oh what what does battle royale look like in a year and and respawn just like well we know so we'll just we'll just go ahead and make it you know and it was pretty pretty unique and i find myself i still 
probably put an hour or two into it a week. I at least play five or ten matches a week at a minimum still. So That's cool. I mean, I think that with so many people chasing the success of stuff like PUBG and, and Fortnite, more more to the point, um, it, it seems like, and it's not really my preferred genre, but with so many of them out there, the feel of it and how well it kind of integrates the actual gameplay is going to be what sets the ones that do it well apart from the ones that nobody is really playing anymore so that's cool yeah i mean i i wasn't so hot on apex uh which is a shame because as far as respawns games go prior to that being titanfall and titanfall 2 i was a huge fan of the multiplayer of titanfall i think it is one of the the uh, premier multiplayer experiences of the generation um and i think it is masterful in how it handles that combat uh it fell very short of that for the sequel in multiplayer but the single player was exceptional and as brian's mentioned it's kind of that that movement that that freedom um the pace at which it moves at the fact that the top in a strange way, it feels like the top half of the character's body can move independently from the legs, so you can yeah. feel like you're always in combat whilst you're moving, so you've got that sense of freedom, um, and that that is really, really clever. Unfortunately for me, it felt like a lot of that was lost in Apex Legends without the ability to go wall running and do the you know the level of double jumping and quick traversal around the map that you can in um, the Titanfall games. Without that story or the impact or the additions that Titanfall has to its multiplayer suite, it... F- just felt a little bit dull in Apex. So the guns have no character. Um, so whilst they're effective and you understand that, you know, you, you've got like your shotguns and your rifles and your snipers and stuff, they don't feel like the ones that you would get in something like Blackout, which for me was a far superior um, battle royale game in terms of, of actual in-the-moment combat feel. And the fact that the time to kill seemed ridiculously long in Apex Legends to the point of frustration because you could never really tell whether your bullets were landing fully effectively on the enemies despite the fact you do see sort of the number damage and stuff coming off. So there was some strange disconnect there. So whilst they got the, the feedback and the communication of the landscape and being able to talk without actually talking in the literal sense to your team, the actual feedback to the user wasn't the same for me. And that's why it turned more into frustration for me. And the, the characters are a cool suite of characters. I mean, they're not Overwatch um, levels. No, no, of, yeah, for sure. Of, yeah, so you, like, there's real character and intrigue to the ones in Overwatch. And these ones, they're okay. And I did, I mean, I did buy the first two DLC characters. Um, they were quite cool. Um, but I've never felt a need to go back and, for anyone who's getting frustrated with how negative I am, yes, I have won games on it. Yes, I have played the things, but um, it still just does nothing for me. But you're mad about Resident me. Evil 2. We get it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, he's just taking um, it on me. For- yeah, <laughs> I mean, what were, what were you playing if you think this is better than Resident Evil? No. Um, so, like, it, it, it's fun as all these games are with a group of your friends. But for me, just the idea of going into Apex Legends and going into that world, and most importantly, the maps are so key to Battle Royale games. So the Blackout map was really well designed. To be honest, it probably took them longer to iterate that map than they should have, but it was well designed. For me, the Apex Legends, 25% of it was exceptional and 75% of it was poor. So all the combat was driven to certain areas that were more entertaining and then moving towards the circle. And again, that, that just felt like it was a real missed opportunity with a large map that wasn't fun. 
um, at least at least for me. And that was a, a common complaint with my friends, which is why we all kind of moved back to Blackout. But I, again, I love the fact that it was free. I love the fact that EA are doubling down on it. It was a huge part of their E3 suite this year. They've moved forward with the um, rip-off of Fortnite's Battle Pass. You know, so th- there is obviously a strategy there to keep pushing Apex Legends. And I think that that's a good thing because all too often we have seen these things dropped for what would have mm-hmm. been Apex Legends too, And you, so to kind of see that continuation is kind of a positive. And it's something I will go back into. I admit I haven't played the new map or anything like that. Um, and it is something I will return to. I've just always had a list of games that I thought I'd rather play or start this than go back and give that another chance. And that that's I fell into that awkward gap with Apex Legends. I think what you said about time to kill was was interesting because it does feel more, and I don't mean in the gameplay, but in like the actual time to take down an enemy, it feels more like a Halo in that regard, and where you have yes. to take out a shield, the shield pops, and then and then the and then the enemy base health is is kind of up for up for attack. There are some people, especially now, like with the snappiness of how Call of Duty multiplayer is gone. Like if you kind of have a tight burst of rounds, you expect the other player to drop. So I, I could definitely see where that would frustrate people. I definitely lean more towards the side of having the shield because honestly, I'm not that good of a shooter. So it's nice. It gives me a chance to kind of cower and <laughs> hey, fear. Maybe this would be my yeah, <laughs> No, so I, I get that. I, and I, I could see why it would fall that way for, for fans, fans mm. of Blackout. The, the thing for me and, and the, the only counterpoint I have to that is that for me, when I attempted to play Black, out i felt like i would drop in and i wouldn't see anybody who shot me and i'd, I'd be dead and i'd have to start over again and yeah. that's i think that, that more speaks to my skill and time time invested because through apex i definitely i definitely after investing the time i got better i figured some stuff out as you do you know so it just happened to be one i yeah. lashed onto but all those I've, I've heard those complaints from friends of mine too who, who are battleground heavy and they all seem valid it's just they, those concerns didn't manifest themselves for me in the same way that they did for some others absolutely and i, and I think for the for how negative I sound about it, one positive that I will say about Apex Legends is that it doesn't feel like the other Battle Royale games. So yeah. like if, if that's your thing, then Apex feels like its own thing, and that's a good thing. One of the things that I think is well-trodden at this point, but still worth talking about, is it, I played PUBG uh, and enjoyed PUBG. You know, it was a very, you know, felt unlike any other genre of game, right, the first time you play a Battle Royale. And then the the triple A touch or the details that they've paid attention to or maybe inherited from Titanfall are really important to Apex Legend. That ping system to effectively mm. communicate so much without actually having to be on mic and your players calling things out and barking them out automatically, like that sort of attention to detail is the type of thing you would see in a triple A Titanfall game, but was really lacking in this genre. And so I think like any future multiplayer shooter, first of all, take note of what they did with the communication system in this game. But also, we're going to be thanking them for years to come for this genre. Like, I think they made the genre meaningfully improved. Cool. So uh, February was a busy month. Um, and the next thing to come out in February was Astroneer. And Ryan, I think this is another you one. Uh, talk to me about Astroneer because I actually don't know much about it. <laughs> As we were going through this list, I realized I'm very heavy on the beginning of the year. And then the <laughs> end of the year, you're going to hear me get pretty quiet. Astroneer is a game I've actually been playing for years. Um, I think I've got, you know, at least 100 hours between a Steam version, a Windows version, and an Xbox version. It is in the vein of a survival game. Uh, it's kind of a crafting game, but you are a astronaut who gets landed onto a procedurally generated planet. 
um, with some structures and rules around it. It's not quite fully No Man's Sky. It's a little more controlled than that. You're kind of all alone, and you have to just uh, use a terrain manipulator, uh, a la No Man's Sky. It's so funny, because No Man's Sky has ended up happening into a bunch of the Astroneer features. The terrain manipulator lets you dig underground. You're digging through layers of this planet and going further and further to the core, fishing out resources, and then bringing them back up and building up a base. I think it's a game that kind of caught me by surprise. It was a genre of game that I didn't know I was so obsessed with, but this sort of quiet loneliness of you know, being Matt Damon on Mars, essentially, <laughs> I think is captured super well in this game. Sounds kind of Minecrafty. Uh, is there like a an, an end goal or are you just continuing to build up your your whatever you want to do? I think it's very Minecrafty. You, you know, mine resources, but you got to kind of bring the resources up yourself. So you're climbing up this tech tree. And when the game first was out or when I first played it, rather, a couple of years ago, you could get through the entire tech tree in you know, maybe a two or three hour session. So it was very much like hitting the ceiling of the game and being like, oh, this is cool. This is going to be good. And now the tech tree for me is like a maybe a 15 or 20 hour affair because you have to get to multiple planets. You have to, you know, launch uh, rockets and, and get into orbit of these other planets, land on them and kind of build up all these other bases in order to collect the materials from other planets. I'm sorry if you already said this. That was a Kickstarter or was it just in early access for a while? Um, I think it was in early access. It certainly came to Xbox early access, which was kind of an interesting thing to see. <laughs> yeah, it's got a killer soundtrack. Uh, if you love uh, sort of electro synth stuff, it's very minimal. Great soundtrack to listen to. And th I think there's a Sound of Play episode where we played a song of it. I, you know, I think the thing that separates it, Leah, from Minecraft is in Minecraft, it's so about the block and collecting those blocks <laughs> and collecting those units. And in Astroneer, it's like if you completely had a referendum on blocks, like you could almost not create <laughs> a square structure in this game. Your terrain, terrain manipulator makes kind of bulbous, like it almost is like the foam gun or something from. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a fascinating game. And cool. uh, I hope you all play it with me right after this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I should I should uh, back up a little bit and say that I, I did not intend for uh, the, the Minecraft comparison oh, to no. be in any way no, a, I think it's Minecraft a negative like thing. In many ways. I mean, you're you're digging. Yeah, <laughs> you're digging and you're you're kind of making your own goals. Yeah. I think that's that's what I really associate with Minecraft is. Um, and it sounds like there's more to it than that, especially with the other planets and everything. Um, but yeah, that's cool. I feel like Ryan's at the back going, Minecraft sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like Minecraft. You? you know what's different for me? So I'm a designer, so I get into this mindset. Minecraft becomes very much about house and home and like the aesthetics yeah. of my house and the structures that I'm building. Because you can't actually build like a house in Astroneer. You just kind of have like, you know, a space space connected with all these kind of crazy wires and stuff. I'm more about like all right, where do I position my solar panels so that they're getting the most sun out of the day? And it, it's a lot more logistical. <laughs> yeah. Sounds satisfying. Sounds really satisfying, like when you kind of get into that. Yeah. I built an underground glass lab uh, for my evil scientist in Minecraft, but that was many years ago. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it, cool. I, I guess you could call that a home. I don't know. So I'll share yeah. very quickly before we move off Astroneer. My Carl shared his shame in buying the most expensive version of Resident Evil 2. 
My shame is that I bought, I think, two of my brothers and two of my friends copies of Astroneer just to try to convince <laughs> them to play it with me. Did it work? Did they? Uh, no, it's been relatively unsuccessful, if you have to know. <laughs> <laughs> There's no shame here. None. It's, oh, God. it's all good. Yeah. Safe space. Yeah, no one's going to listen to this. It'll save space. No, it's <laughs> fine. Yeah, Astroneer definitely seems a lot more organic than the likes of... Mm-hmm. Um, Minecraft and I, so about four or five months ago I was sat at my computer and I thought I'll fire up Twitch and see what's what and one of the games that was at the front was this lovely Canadian gentleman playing Astroneer and I'd never seen him before and I thought you know what I'll I'll put it on you know I'll see what this is all about five hours later I stopped watching him play Astroneer <laughs> and although I never picked it up it was fascinating watch, watching the level of detail and the level of craft that people can go into in that game, and I can totally see how you would get lost in it. Yeah. Um, and it was obviously a passion project for this guy. Um, and he was interacting, and he, he was chatting with me and stuff. And, yeah, it was it was almost beautiful to watch because you approach it, because Minecraft is so established now, you approach everything with that, that mentality, that attitude, that it's going to be like Minecraft. And then the more you watch it, you go, actually, no, I see that. Oh, that's clever. Oh, that, right, that's different in that way. Oh, yeah. And before I knew it, I'd, I'd kind of fallen in love with this game without having actually played it, based purely on how much this guy was enjoying um both playing it and also promoting it to his viewers. So it's yeah. kind of what Ryan was talking about. Is it's really good, and this is why. And that anyone who can get so enthusiastic about anything sells me on something immediately. Yeah. So I get sold on that enthusiasm. And yeah, for that reason, Astronia is one of the most get one. Of, it's one of the games I can talk about most positively in 2019, having not actually played it for a single second. <laughs> I, I like that. I like the uh, the the fact that some games like this will just cause you to evangelize them because yeah. you just love them so much. Play Persona, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> the, my, one of the, the last point I'll make about Astroneer is that if you're at all interested or you love like the culture around it, no clip has a documentary on YouTube where they interview the team and the story of even how the game kind of came to be is is just as fascinating. So. If you have a spare half an hour or something, go spend some time with that. I was going to recommend that because I had never played Astroneer and that I have it now on my Xbox. I haven't really dipped into it, but after watching yes. that no clip half hour, it was it was really incredible. It's it's a it's a pretty touching story of how this game kind of came to be and kind of the ups and downs it went through. So, um, yeah, it's definitely definitely worth your time checking out that. Well, there may not be any blocks in Astroneer, but you know where there are blocks. <laughs> Tetris 99. Segways are I'm getting so better. Oh, I've been thinking about that for 20 minutes. We're getting now. better and better. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always better when you call out the segue. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, Tetris 99 is a game that uh, launched with, I think, and please correct me if I am if I'm incorrect in this, but I believe that it did launch in tandem with the Nintendo Online service uh, for free. So I played a lot of Tetris 99. Uh, Tetris 99 is a standard Tetris game rules-wise, pretty standard Tetris game rules-wise, I'll say. Um, but it is an online game in which you play against, as the name suggests, 98 other people. And uh, you 
kind of send trash along to them so it is competitive tetris uh and you just keep knocking out people and knocking out people until only one remains i have not really played much lately because i know that they've added some modes and they've added a lot of features uh basically i played tetris 99 until i won around and then retired on top so uh, (laughs) (laughs) but there was there was a period when pretty much all i was doing was playing a lot of tetris 99 um and I, I think that it's a great way for Nintendo to kind of showcase their online uh, service because maybe it's arguable whether their <laughs> online service really had a whole lot else going for it. So I'm just kind of looking at it as I played. I paid twenty dollars to play Tetris ninety nine for a year, and I'm okay with that. Um, but I am interested to hear uh, about y'all's experiences with Tetris ninety nine. Were they good? Have you won? I won. I won. Yay! I did. I did the thing. Um, Winners Club. Yeah. I. Uh, there. There's. Uh, I. I was really sad the that weekend that Tetris 99 came out because um, American football was over and I enjoy American football. So the Super Bowl had just happened and the villains had won yet again. So um, mm-hmm. I. Uh, I spent that next Sunday lamenting my woes by laying on the couch and just playing nothing but Tetris 99. And I don't think I played after that day. So I think it was like, I'm not sure what day it was. It was like the, like the 17th of uh, February or whatever it was. And I played Tetris 99 probably for four or five hours straight. Loved every minute of it. Um, really enjoyed it. Won a game, much like Leah. I think I did. I didn't retire on top. I, I think I made the mistake of trying to dip back in a couple other times and didn't immediately win again and was like, ah, this is for the birds and then played again. But but yeah, I really I really enjoy the, the the time I spent with it. But um, but once I kind of once literally once I put that switch down, I, I I never picked it up and went back to it again. I do like the idea of of like a group competitive puzzler though. That like that's normally when I'm uh the, the most people I'd ever played a puzzle game with was uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris on the Switch. Mm-hmm. You have four people lined up and, and it's couch co op and that's always a lot of fun. But the idea of playing Tetris against ninety ninety eight other people was kind of like overwhelming in the best way possible because you're just looking at that whole screen and all the different you, know, you see all the yeah. different uh lanes and everything that everybody's setting it up and you're just like oh my god you know the minute you look off your own screen you're looking at everybody else like look how fast that guy's going you know what i mean like you got to kind of it's sensory overload isn't it yeah it is yeah for sure yeah yeah it's it's wild to just i you it's not the same as playing just tetris by yourself and i, I that sounds like the most obvious thing in the world but it's really not like you that that i think is what threw me for as long as it did and then i figured it out and won that one game and i'd probably get destroyed if i tried to go back in right now (laughs) but uh it's okay it's fine it's kind of weird isn't it because for years tetris had been tetris and we'd started to see like the most shambolic of tetris spin-offs and efforts and then we got probably the two best standout tetris games in the last decade with 99 Brain fart. Tetris Effect. Yes, that, that one. Um, <laughs> Which I also loved. And Tetris hey, Puyo, Effect. Puyo Tetris um, is not bad either. Yeah. Yes, but that's Puyo Puyo with Tetris Second. It's in the name. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, that doesn't count, although it is a great game and it is something that I do play on my Switch. Um, but Tetris 99, I, I hit it a lot when it came out. Um, I don't think real winners need to necessarily talk about finishing first all need, the time. Need to actually oh. win? Is that is that where we're going with well uh, with let's, let's just say um i've got several silver medals that, that's my shame with tetris 99 if it was tetris 98 i'd have been amazing yeah. and I, I, the concept of it was wonderful as leah said the 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 whole idea of it being nintendo's online service was kind of the best sell on it because you didn't have to do all the, the additional faff because who 
who wants to talk to you know, 98 other people. The fact that you could just play and it was online, but you wouldn't necessarily know it was online other than the fact that, you know, everything's going on and attacks are coming in. And it is, you know, it is an overload of why am I getting attacked? And sometimes you'd start up and you'd swear everyone else is just targeting your little cell in the background. And you're like, what? Like all the bricks are just arriving in and there's nothing you can do. And that that level of frustration was, you know, equally on the other side when you would have a really good run and you'd be taking people out and you'd be getting like the notifications that, you know, X, Y, and Z had all been eliminated. But there was always the confusion over what of the four settings do I change this to? Or do I manually yeah. choose the boxes of who to who to target my uh, send my pieces over to? And like that was always a little bit tricky and I never felt like that was best explained in Tetris ninety nine. And it became like a lot of frustration until you got it. Um which isn't always a bad thing because that that you dark uh, dark souls and demon souls did very much the same thing for me the first time I played them I was like I'm not entirely sure what's going on but I Taking kind of like it and that yeah. was good um, and that that's kind of the effect that I got from Tetris ninety nine the fact that you were always so switched on so intense. You weren't necessarily sure if you were breathing. You'd have like a dry mouth at the end of it all. And like, yeah. you, you know, you're. I need a break. I need a rest. I'm going to put that down. I'll skip a game. I'll go get a drink, that kind of thing. All the things that you would never necessarily associate with Tetris came with Tetris 99. And it felt like it really has rounded off the offerings of Tetris in a way that is really, really good. And I kept my, you know, Nintendo online payments ongoing as a result of Tetris 99. And I mean, the thing is, I've probably not played it since April. But they've had like eight months additional payments out of me at this point. Um, <laughs> and I'm all right with that because, do you know what? I might actually go and play Tetris 99 when I finish this part. In fact, I might go now. See you. <laughs> just, just, everybody's just got a switch as we're sitting here. <laughs> you know, I think you made a good point, Carl, in it that it feels like we've now got a new core Tetris mode. Like, hey, yeah. Tetris 1 player is good. Tetris 2 and two to four players is good what if we just kept going with that number yeah tetris 99 feels like a totally a canonical tetris and b something that if a standalone tetris game came out now i would be like where the heck is the you know massive multiplayer mode yeah yeah absolutely the only thing i'm wondering is uh where is hatris 99 yeah that's the next one <laughs> hexing 99 in 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 the year 2020 yeah, coming to nintendo online services uh hattress hattress 2020 it is the future it and there is time for hattress yes. and Clax 99 always yes <laughs> everything just 90 just slap a 99 on all of the puzzle games <laughs> yeah um puzzle puzzle quest 99 luminous 99 let's, oh let's man go. let's go god i would have a seizure i think that's <laughs> that's a lot online services uh were actually pretty fruitful this year i think uh and another one that i i probably would have bought this game and it would still be sitting on my shelf at, if i had not gotten it with uh game pass but since there is game pass i played about two hours of it and haven't actually been back to it since probably march uh crackdown 3 came out this year in february uh as part of microsoft's game pass and um i didn't dislike crackdown 3 but i would have a really rough time telling you anything specific that i did in crackdown 3 how about you guys did you did you jump i think i jumped <laughs> you... i probably shot some uh -huh. things did you collect um, some 
green orbs. orbs some some yeah. orbs, yes, I think okay. that I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's that's about all. I I played uh, I played some multiplayer with uh, with my friend Elaine, uh, and uh, yeah, we. So we played for a few sessions and uh, did a lot of jumping, as far as I can recall, and just kind of ran around and didn't really make a whole lot of progress. But I mean, it was fun. It's fun as a multiplayer game. It's just not, I, I think that, I don't know if I was expecting anything better because Crackdown yeah. has, it's been, it's been around for a while and it's not necessarily the most detailed and story rich <laughs> game. So, I, I mean, I wasn't disappointed and I don't think I would have been disappointed if I'd purchased it because I probably still wouldn't have played it. But uh, it's it's nice that it was. It's really kind of the first big game that I personally played as part of Game Pass. Um, and it's kind of nice for that to know that that kind of thing is, you know, yeah. making yeah. making my value add yep. worth it. Yeah, it it seems strange because there was obviously quite a lot of vitriol around the launch. I remember a lot of people were sort of hating on Microsoft and saying that they were gambling Game Pass on games like Crackdown 3 and it was a huge disappointment and people were bitter because they'd been paying for Game Pass, etc. Like, um, grow up, whatever. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same position here as Leah, like two hours I keep looking at it. I've got the pin on my dashboard on my Xbox, and I'm like, "Yeah, I might boot <laughs> I keep, that up." I keep meaning to maybe go back and try it, but like, it, it's right there and it's staring me in the face. But the problem is, I've also got like so many other fantastic games pinned right next to it, and it's right. kind of like, well, a lot of them on Game Pass, yeah, exactly. yeah. And I'm like, how can I, how can I say that I'm going to go and play that? Because in the back of my mind, I'm like, I could be playing Red Dead Redemption Two. I could be playing Resident Evil Two. Right, like. You know, and 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 that that is unfortunately a factor, and it doesn't look that bad. I mean, it doesn't look sensational, but it doesn't look that bad. We did lose the cloud technology thing that looked incredible. The sort of the online aspect was split off and thrown on its own little bits, and all these things went to go and hurt it. And it feels like twelve years on, almost exactly twelve years on. By the way, it's five days off a twelve-year anniversary when it was released, and it's not really that far difference which is really wild for like the development that games can have in 12 years and crackdown 3 i mean it didn't it strayed a little further than crackdown 2 but that's not going that far right um but it just feels it was underwhelming but at the same time i'm like yeah you know what so what i think i wasn't expecting a lot from it in the first place because it was quite clear that Microsoft had stopped backing it as a product. They hadn't really been advertising it, and they yeah. kind of just went, yeah, "Yeah, by the way, it's out in the middle of you know, it's out in the middle of February. Play it. Yeah. It's on Game Pass, and it's kind of like, eh. I think at that point it was already. I was going to be aware that this was going to be a quite an average game. It wasn't going to be one of the standouts of the year. I think I played a little bit more than you guys, maybe close to closer to five hours, but uh, the experience is almost exactly the same. Um, I played also played like Lee. I played with a friend of mine and that really did increase the um, enjoyment of the game. But it also we, me and my friend Tom were talking about it afterwards. Like it was like a, just a kind of a nice thing to do while having a conversation, like because we really didn't have to yeah. pay attention to anything. And I think that just kind of speaks to how little the game actually grabs you. But like I, uh, I don't maybe feeling bad is the wrong term, but like, you know, a lot of people worked really hard for a really long time on that game. And, and I just, for this to be the finished product that turned out, it just doesn't make sense in my mind. Kind of like to what Carl was saying about the time that was invested in this game. And, and that this is what kind of came out at the end. It, um, yeah, it just, it was disappointing on, uh, on kind of the grand scale, but if you, how long was Duke Nukem forever? In production right, exactly. For? <laughs> um, exactly. 
But then, but when you think of it in terms of Game Pass, like you were talking about, Leah, like, like if I could just have literal ten seconds to just say that Game Pass is the most remarkable video game service that is out there, and I just mm-hmm. I can't believe that at a click of a button I can try this game, this AAA game, which you know, not in it sounds like most of us were fairly underwhelmed by it. Click of a button and lengthy download, right? Yeah, all right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not exactly XCloud yet, right? But um, but I mean, but I can just download this game and then play it and then be like, ah, oh, you know what? Like, kind of leave it there ah, maybe i'll get back to it and you don't really feel like you're losing out on anything the way that i sometimes have that regret like like still now i can see from where i'm sitting my copy of the last guardian in its shrink wrap that i haven't played yet you know it's yeah. it's really it to, to eliminate that feeling um it's it's pretty impressive so um so not so much good on crackdown 3 but good on microsoft because i think game pass is just a remarkable thing well i think that's a really good point that you mentioned there because Although Crackdown 3 wasn't, the, it wasn't the halo for selling Xbox and it wasn't, you know, this standout title that's going to sell something. It was a big enough name and in development long enough that people went, you know what, I'll pick up that Game Pass for a month for a dollar. And right. Like, and then once you kind of realize what it is, I'd hazard a guess that probably quite a few people stayed in Game Pass because they saw the positive aspects of everything that's coming in. And Microsoft have been really active at getting games in yeah. into Game Pass. So this is ongoing. They've obviously promised every first-party title. And it's something that I've mentioned in our team Slack channel numerous times since Game Pass came out that, for me, I think Game Pass is the greatest system feature of the generation. It's the it's the real standout thing that genuinely, when I think about it, yeah. blows me away in terms of a feature. Yeah, Crackdown 3 was kind of the first big name that was uh, sort of independent to, to that service. Um, but it was kind of a milestone for like promoting I think that as a service rather than that as a game so the game disappointed but yeah you're absolutely right Brian Game Pass is probably something we probably should have talked about in in the list of of features but yeah Game Pass is an incredible um, thing created by Microsoft I want to say actually now that I'm thinking about it I think that Crackdown 3 might have been where I opted into Game Pass because I did one of those uh, I think I actually managed to get like the first three months for a dollar a piece right, yeah. and you know so then by that point I'm I'm you know already all in and like I'm, I'm obviously going to keep Game Pass and everything um, but I, I think that Crackdown 3 was what tipped me over the edge because I'm like yeah you know I, I'm not thinking that this is going to be like a blow my hair back kind of game but I do want to try it so maybe I'll just get into this and see where it goes and uh, that's that's how I ended up with Game Pass and how I ended up not loving Crackdown 3 <laughs> It's interesting I feel like I'm warmer on Crackdown 3 than than everybody else here is. Ooh do tell. Crackdown 3 for me is an exercise in like nostalgia and reality meeting, right? Like Carl mentioned, it's a 12 year in development game and it, and it feels like it in many ways. Like they literally locked in that design doc 12 years ago and didn't (laughs) stray from it. So it's the kind of game that like, yeah, I maybe did a dozen hours or so of it. And a lot of it was single player. Actually, it ended up, I was like, okay, what am I really feeling about this game? And I'm like, I think it is just a new crackdown one in many ways. And I, when I think about crackdown one, I'm like, I really love that game. Like, I I think it has a very fond place in my heart, but can you do crackdown one in 2019? And I think crackdown three's answer is no, you kind of can't and have it be, (laughs) you know, viable. That's fair. So like, if I, if I just say, 
shooting competent, driving competent, platforming pretty competent, graphics competent. None of them are standout. It's a you know, it's solid the, seven out of exactly. Ten. It's your <laughs> classic seven, and I think terrible seven out of ten. <laughs> right, exactly. But you know, to everybody's point, in this year, there's so many great games that Crackdown three we're lucky that that seems like you know a, a turd on 2019 uh because yeah, it was it was fine yeah it so was it's absolutely bad. fine right and, yeah. and I, I feel the same way as everybody here i think game pass is one of the best things going in video games so if if people are coming to game pass through crackdown good on you i think that that's you know, especially when we do get the xCloud stuff and you can not have to wait and download and install and all of that. And you can just play it for like a minute and put it down. Crackdown 3 might become a little bit more palatable in the sort of streaming era. People, How many bad TV shows have you given an episode to in uh, Netflix or Hulu? I don't like to talk about it because I'm one of those people who will commit <laughs> yeah. to a bad TV show. Right. So, uh, uh. yeah, I mean, Crackdown 3 could could be much better but i don't know how i guess <laughs> well listen i'm not a game designer i just i just can tell you that i didn't stick with it for very long well, are um, you gonna give us speaking of games that are great to play while having a conversation with friends no <laughs> god damn yes i was ah <laughs> uh, so anyway the division puzzle quest is the answer <laughs> yeah just puzzle quest. puzzle quest is always the answer yes <laughs> but uh yeah actually the uh, the game that we we're going to move on to speaking of games that are great to play with another person uh the division <laughs> 2 came out this year uh which i have not played sadly uh i played a lot of the division one both by myself and uh some co-op i didn't play a ton but uh i did uh, some with with various people uh i don't know why i haven't really played the division 2 i'm trying to look at my list and figure out what else was out then but i mean knowing me it's just as possible that i was playing some weird jrpg from 2018 i it's or 2014 or something so i'm not sure why i haven't actually was it persona into... were you playing persona I mean, it could have been it could have been i don't know it's it's hard to say <laughs> i don't know uh i might you know what i might have actually been playing persona 5 again at that point no i don't know it's who can say <laughs> anyway uh the division 2 did come out in march of this year so uh those of you that have played it I mean, is it just the Division One again, but with a different storyline, or is there more to it? I'm curious. I think there's, I think there's more to it. Um, yeah. I, I really love this game. Uh, surprisingly, I was not prepared to like it at all. Honestly, I, a friend of mine who I hadn't played a game with in quite some time kind of convinced me to get it to play with him. It, like, it seemed like a really good reason to kind of rekindle an old friendship. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, we should play this game together. I'm like, that sounds great. So I ended up getting Division 2 and played it on Xbox. And I want to say I, I looked at my last hour count. Like I was somewhere between 60 and 70 hours, I think. Oh, wow. On it. Um, yeah, we played the, we played the hell out of this thing. Um, I think what sets it apart is that it kind of took everything that was hooky and um and enjoyable and addicting from the first division and and really just kind of did that classic thing of making the sequel the same but just better in every area slightly better in every area um i think the environment like winter cold like new york city was fine but like like th this dc like the wide open streets these kind of vibrant areas like you felt like you're really kind of when you move from section to section it felt like you're moving from different locale and kind of the scenery would change and the the indoor environments i think were crafted with such detail and and such care like when you do a story mission i mean each one of these indoor environments you kind of go into like let's say for example the the air and space museum in dc and you really felt like you were there like they they went through a lot of 
a lot of love and care went into designing these environments and making them fun combat arenas, but also believable in what their practical purposes. Yeah, I, I um I really really enjoyed it. It was just it it was it was nonstop fun. The enemy enemies are definitely still bullet spongy in that way the division does things, but I didn't feel it was over the top. I felt like uh, each type of enemy had their different weaknesses you could exploit, and it really was more more than just a game to have a conversation with a friend to. It, it like it had a lot of depth to it in in both its design and and its and its gear design and its its kind of mission design. The only place where it kind of fell short for me was in the story, but much like these types of games the main story kind of is always the thing that is the, it's just the reason to keep going, to get the new thing, to, to see the next place. So, but, um, but yeah, I, I still think about going back and playing division two. It's got a really satisfying end game. The only area I didn't really engage with it too much was in the PVP, the, the dark zones. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I, it comes as a hearty recommend for me, Brian. It sounds like we had a similar experience with the division two, because I, I think the game is great uh, and, and, and a market improvement over the first and, and like you said, in each of the facets of it. I, I think it, you know, there's plenty to be said about how politically it's kind of still up its own, you know what, like, absolutely. Yeah, there's for American sure. exceptionalism in here and they're saying their games aren't political. Well, Ubisoft is saying games aren't political and your base of operations is <laughs> literally the White House. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But not going too far into that stuff. I, there's small details in here, like the NPCs their barks are shared between all the players in a session. So when they say they're legitimately ridiculous stuff, mostly shouting, it's the division or F them. It's the division or something like that. Every player can hear it. So it had, there was a lot of moments of, you know, saying to a friend like, Oh my God, did you hear that guy? My favorite is when you shoot someone and as they're dying, they just go, ow. That's a really good one. (laughs) It's, It's reliably funny. So like, yeah, there's all these aspects of the division. I think, you know, like crackdown, I, first time I played it, I started very earnestly watching the cutscenes and ingesting the story. And after about two hours or something, I was like, I understand what this is. So I skipped everything, basically yeah, for every sure. line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. I, I let pass by as I talked about, you know, what I was going to have for lunch or something. But, um, yeah, in terms of a cover based third person shooter, I, I don't think it gets much better than the division two. I, yeah, I agree completely. I will have to, uh, to get into that. It's, I, I do have it. It's, it's one of those sitting on my shelf in plastic, um, mm-hmm. like, like so many games, yes, uh, yes. I'm the worst. No, me too. I'm the uh, same way. You know, this. Yeah, by um, the way, this is another game. Killer soundtrack. Like, yeah, the music. Cool. I, I really? Played, so I played good. entirely with headphones because I was I had a headset on to talk to my friend. And I was so glad I did because I ended up pumping the game audio through my headset. And yeah, the soundtrack, like, surprisingly awesome for just a generic, what you would think would be a generic military shooter. The soundtrack rips. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's almost like Mass Effect-y in places. Yeah, These sure. warm synths and stuff coming yeah. in. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really something special. The composer, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to mess this up and Thomas Kohlfeldt's going to yell at me. Um, but, um, I want to <laughs> say the composer, had n- had not worked on any type of military or like shooter based game beforehand. I'd have to look this up again, but um, it his it basically comes from an eclectic background, and that just like you can read that oh, in the yeah. entire soundtrack. It's, it's very cool. That is cool. Yeah, I I would not have really expected that. I, right. I I I didn't dislike the music from the Division One, but like I don't. It didn't really make an impression yeah, it's on me. Nothing. It's either just way. texture or it whatever. Just, yeah. it, I mean, it was there, and you know, I I know I'm sure that it was worked on quite hard and is perfectly good but 
yeah, it didn't stick out to me. The execution of the soundtrack kind of there, too, so. it swells at the right moments and you can, it picks up the intensity. It feels like it's very um, smooth and how it transitions between the tracks. Now I'll definitely have to get in there and, uh, and, and do some, do some playing of the division too. Slightly later than that, uh, speaking of games that are still in plastic on my shelf, uh, one would think that being as big a Dark Souls person as I have been, that I would have been all over uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. And I thought I was going to be. And this is another one of those situations in which I just, for some reason, did not, I, I just never really started. Um, so I, I think it's because I still haven't played Dark Souls 3. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, I I might have been playing Bloodborne again at that point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's something wrong with me. Uh, who played Sekiro, by the way? I picked it up. Uh, picked it up at launch. I was looking forward to it. Um, brutally difficult. Um, so hard. Probably the best way that, that, that these from software games are. Um it uses a really cool uh, sort of a rock, paper, scissors kind of mechanic when you're fighting bosses about what kind of attack they're going to go for and your reaction to that. And I really, uh, really enjoyed that um, right until the moment that I glitched it and ended up in the wrong area of a map because Ooh. I oddly fell off a cliff but didn't die and ended up in a whole new section. And I'm sure speedrunners absolutely love the ability say, to do that. I are you secretly a speedrunner? But, but um, it didn't work out too well for me, who was clearly fighting enemies that I was not ready for and I I kind of needed to start again so i've not quite gone back to it yet but i absolutely love what i've played so far despite the fact that it's had me curled up in the fetal position crying <laughs> on several occasions but yeah yeah i'm you know I'm, I'm no stranger to difficult games i do really enjoy them and i think sakiro has absolutely nailed the feeling of that kind of um feudal japan that kind of combat you know the 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 lightweight action of using the sword um and, mm. and you know trying to mitigate opponents attacks and you know uh, sort of react accordingly and it, it just it feels so nice to play the additions of things like the grapple to get around to uh, add a, a sense of verticality in um and anyone who knows me talk about games um you know, I, I do have a little thing for verticality in games that gets me somewhat excited. And Sekiro is no different from that. And I, I think the areas where I had problems with the likes of Dark Souls and um, not so much Bloodborne, because Bloodborne is just it's a special game. But um, the areas that maybe I, I had little issues with, I think, have been uh, Sekiro was adjusted to compensate for those, and it feels uh, a more complete package, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think what I have played, and I've put a number of good hours into it, I could only really say positive things, but I'm kind of waiting for a break in my calendar um, from either playing games for the podcast or the, the rush of crazy games that we got later in the year. And I'm waiting for a, a new opening to actually dive in and say, Do you know what, I'm going to actually commit one or two weeks towards uh, Sekiro and, and, and just really drive it home. I, I really like this setting. Uh, it's not something that I have seen many games. I, I mean, there obviously there are games in the feudal J Japan setting, but not that I have especially been interested in. Uh, that's selfish, but yeah. you know, I a, a game of this type in that setting is not something. I, I mean, you would usually see more of like a medieval setting an English medieval setting, mm. you know, it's it's not something that you see very much of. From what I have seen uh, and what I have watched, it it looks like they 
setting wise at least i can't really speak to the gameplay uh myself personally but uh setting wise it looks like they just created something really beautiful in in its uh in its art direction at the very least yeah absolutely and i think world building is great in from software mm. games anyway and and kind of sekiro in a, in a strange way as much as dark souls is relatable in terms of like the architecture because you know it's kind of fantasy there's no relation whereas i feel like there's a sense of grounded reality to feudal japan that really kind of doubles down on the way that it tells the law that really kind of resonated with me as someone playing it the thing about sekiro for me and i think more than almost any other game this year it's the one that i keep wanting to come back to in thinking about it's it's like a yeah, a scary dream I had <laughs> or something where I'm like, <laughs> I wonder how, you know, if that's going to be back in my life. But I I maybe played eight-ish, maybe eight hours is too much, but uh, I didn't get super far. And I definitely found, I love Bloodborne and, you know, kind of unconditionally. And this game felt like such an inviting environment, the most colorful thing I've seen from FromSoft. But also, while it was incredibly inviting looking, the the losing, you know, money and experience and the dragon rot mechanic of further punishment for truly dying, as they say, like, the game kind of was at a difficulty level where when the discussions about should this game be easier, should it have an easy mode came up, I kind of felt like maybe... I needed a, you know, baby mode, as they say, uh, for Sekiro, because every corner in that world that I turn, I'm like, oh my God, here's a new, amazing, fascinating thing. And it's so wonderfully realized. But also, I was just getting my ass kicked so mercilessly. <laughs> I don't, I've, I think I found over the years, especially the older I get, the more like slamming my head against a boss, you know, 30, 40 times is, and maybe that's an exaggeration, but even like 20 times is not like a fun exercise for me anymore. So, but gosh, I, I want to see every corner of that world, especially, you know, I don't want, I can't spoil any of it, but like, boy, oh boy, what a wonderful game. And I really want to play it. I just, I guess I got to try to get better at video games. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get good. Yeah, I yeah, think is what they yeah. say. Um, it's what I've heard. <laughs> You've heard that? I, <laughs> Only when she's screaming know. it down the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard it when it's coming out of my mouth. Get good. <laughs> Speaking of games where people will yell at you to get good, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 also came out this year. I am not good at Mortal Kombat, but I enjoy playing the single player modes of these kinds of games. The reason I don't play the online mode is because I don't want a 13 year old yelling at me to get good. Um, <laughs> that's exaggeration. It's, I'm sure it's like no, 35 it year olds yelling no, at me to get good. I, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I did pick up Mortal Kombat 11, but actually I haven't played any of it yet. Um, so uh I really liked Mortal Kombat 9 and 10 story modes, and I, from what I've watched, this one is similarly ridiculous, so I'm pretty sure I'm not <laughs> going to regret yeah. actually uh, picking it up for that. I think you're in for a real treat with Mortal Kombat 11. Excellent. Uh, I, I'm like you. I play it mostly for the single-player stuff. I'm so glad NetherRealm clearly seems to be having fun making these. Uh, at least the story seems, you know, aptly ridiculous, like you said. You know, I, I think the only friction points for me in this game were the weird monetization crypt stuff and all of that. It, mm -hmm. it was kind of a mess and it took away from my enjoyment. Uh, I like, you know, I love Sub-Zero. I want to just go unlock everything for Sub-Zero and I don't really care about anything else. So um, they made it 
difficult, if not impossible, to do that for me. <laughs> but it looks amazing. It I think it plays super well, and a lot of the things that they added to it, the the towers are back and all the different modes. There's if you like Mortal Kombat at all, or if you're just nostalgic to see what they would do with it, and or if you've been following the story like you, Leia. I think Mortal Kombat 11 is a, a wonderful game. Following the story might be a little bit of a <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's generous. <laughs> Letting the story wash over me it's, like yes. uh, the story like has so happened many waves to you. on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, the story has happened to me. Accurate. Yeah, I think, um, so I've recently played Mortal Kombat 11, so it was something that I came to later in the year. I was actually um, loaned a copy of it by James from the podcast. I'm kind of blown away by how comprehensive a suite of features it is yeah. from the off. So this this could easily have had half the mods with the rest sold as additional content, and I don't think people would necessarily have complained. But the fact that we actually get them from the off and they feel so structured, so just saying that the towers are back is kind of downplaying. Yeah, that's true. How feature set those towers are because there's random towers, um, there's the difficulty towers, there's the uh, unlimited towers where you just constantly keep fighting over and over. There's all the injustice gear stuff and all of that. Yeah, there's character, yeah. there's character specific towers, and then and then also character team specific towers. If you go into the into the kind of the uh, the the, the yeah. online tower setup thing, yeah, there's a lot there. And then you've got obviously the story endings for individual characters outside of a story mode that are featured from completing the towers as certain characters. In terms of an online suite, there's the I don't mind a bit of online combat, but I'm not going to lie and say that I'm that good. I'm not that competitive, and it becomes a little frustrating. But one of the things I've absolutely adored in Mortal Kombat 11 is the kind of build your own team and structure of how characters fight so you take the six criterias of stuff such as um grappling combos oh, yes i forgot sort of about distance this. control and you balance all these out from a, a a total points um allowance to build your characters to be able to fight in certain ways so for someone like um Baraka, for example, I always want him to fight up close and be really aggressive. Whereas if I'm someone um, like Sub-Zero, I would think about my spacing a little bit more to try and to isolate my opponent. And you can actually structure those and then you choose teams that other people have made and you actually watch the combat take part and you can speed them up to four times, two times, real time, that and kind of thing. And it runs super you can well watch during it that speed up. up too, yeah. Yeah! Yeah, it looks great. And, yeah, it looks awesome. And you actually get to sort of experience that combat with three, like that three-on-three -three combat. And like the fact that that's just like an option that's in there and yet it feels really comprehensive that I'd be disappointed if they didn't have it in the next one. I've really enjoyed doing that. I gotta go play more Mortal Kombat. I'll be I'll be back again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's really good. And then we've already talked about a scary game in Resident Evil 2. So the biggest scare <laughs> I've had all year, Mortal Kombat eleven in the crypt. Right? Yeah. So there's a certain <laughs> thing that happens in the crypt that really, really made me jump. And video <laughs> games don't make me jump very often. And I mean, I I left the seat. <laughs> um, this was a complete shock, and it was like out of nowhere. But this is kind of a, a soul's light, if you will, in that you yeah. don't actually 
combat that many enemies, but you explore this world and then you solve puzzles and you find items to get through doors and you open chests and you collect resources, which, you know, obviously the negative there is that you can't just level up someone like Sub-Zero because you get items for random characters and you use your currencies of hearts and coins and um, all these other items to be able to open certain kinds of chests and then you find special chests that have character items and there's this whole ridiculous RPG element in something that's just the crypt that a player could never necessarily need to play because it's very different um, from the the other offerings. And I guess it's kind of um, more in line of the spin-off Mortal Kombat games in a strange way, but actually not absolute garbage. Um, And I've really enjoyed (laughs) my time in just doing the crypt. So... I I feel like I'm really sold on everything the Mortal Kombat 11 does, despite the one thing that I've not played is the story, which is the thing that I enjoyed the most in nine and ten. Yeah. So, like as a, as a suite, I feel like Mortal Kombat 11 is unbelievable in its offering. And another thing to credit, so I've been having conversations recently with a colleague at work who actually runs like FGC tournaments and stuff. I wasn't aware of this beforehand, and he'd been in the office, and we ended up just talking about fighting games. We were talking about tutorials in games and how often fighting games tutorials don't necessarily always hit what you need anyone who ever watches the likes of evo or something like like i do i it's a a huge deal for me and you hear all the commentators are always talking oh that's plus two plus five minus eleven and and i'm quite clued up like i understand it but i know that if i'm watching it with a friend of mine he's like are they they talking english like what like what is this and yet Mortal Kombat actually features tutorials that cover frame data for punishables. And I'm like, the fact that that's actually catered for in a a well-structured tutorial, no less, that makes it really understandable. All the credit for it, because this is clearly a fighting game that has taken the next step from the successes of Injustice and Mortal Kombat 10 at tournaments like EVO and is now taking itself very, very serious as a fighting game that they've structured it around frame data, they're teaching people all these things and it feels like it is now a game that rivals the likes of Street Fighter as being a genuine, serious fighting game for absolutely. people who want to learn learn it inside and out. I'm absolutely blown away by the offerings in Mortal Kombat 11 uh, from every single area and every single feature set has a lot of time, care, and passion put into it. To, like, lift back that lid and to, like, show people not only, like, because they, they know what type of fan they're catering to with that frame data, you know? Yeah, and, right. like, you're really peeling the hood back. I'm like, hey, here's how all this stuff works. You think that this animation's really cool. Here's how many frames it does. And, but here are the types of attacks that can break this animation. Here are the types of attacks that you can want to yeah. follow this up with. And if you miss this, this is how many how many frames that you are vulnerable for. Like, it's it's an insane amount of detail. I, there's nothing I can say about this game that, that Carl hasn't said more eloquently than I ever could. But what I will say is that it's very difficult for me to talk about Mortal Kombat 11 without getting hyperbolic because it is just yeah. it, it just for me personally, like I I'm a sociopath in the fact that I keep a bunch of lists in a physical notebook. And one of the ones I have running all the time is my top 10 games of the year. And I am perfectly normal. Thank you. I know I'm among friends, but I just wanted to say that. <laughs> So I've taken, I, I keep it in pencil and I've taken the eraser to it a hundred times, but the only one, the only game since April that hasn't made its way down or off that list is Mortal Kombat 11. It is from story start to finish. It's the story is ridiculous. You know what you're getting into, but if you're kind of like, yeah. if you're like along for that ride, like you make yourself the bowl of popcorn, you'd be like, this is going to be batch, but I'm along for it. You know what I mean? Like, like I shouldn't have said that, but you know what I mean? Like you get. <laughs> 
<laughs> like you, you know it's going to be crazy but in the best type of crazy the crazy that they embrace the ridiculousness yeah. of they're like we're not going to apologize for this it is what it is one of the main characters in this game is the two developers last names backwards you know what i mean like we're going to jump headfirst into this and it's just it just everything about this game feels polished to a level and when you think about it at E3 2017, excuse me, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, E3 2017, NetherRealms didn't announce a game, and everybody thought it was a Mortal Kombat year, but they didn't announce a game. They didn't announce anything. They just said, oh, we're working on some stuff. And then about six months later, before E3 2018, they announced Mortal Kombat 11. And I think they really took the extra time to put in that game what yeah. people really, what, what I didn't even know that I wanted from it. And I've, like, I, I said, that I was going to 1000 point this game. I haven't got to it yet. I haven't completed all the achievements, but it's just because I am taking my time doing everything, happily spending money on the, on the characters pack, even though I'm not that excited about some of the characters coming. I just want to see what they do with them. And it's just, it's, it's a really, really satisfying package. And it's a game that like it came out now in April. So we're a a lot of months past it. And I come back to that game weekly and, and it's just, it's, it's an absolute blast to play. Think about how awesome. amazing it is that we're all talking with such enthusiasm about Mortal Kombat in 2019. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, yeah it's, it's impressive. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, let me yeah. ask this uh, kind of as a as maybe a parting question with the Mortal Kombat thing is the we've had about eight years now of them refining this exact model of Mortal Kombat, maybe eight and a half, nine even. Like, is there going to be... How many more Mortal Kombats do you think follow in this trend? Because this feels to me like basically the perfect, you know, summation of what Mortal Kombat could be. I I always hope for, and I am. It's probably wishful thinking. I really want the ultimate MK3 trilogy version of this three mm-hmm. games. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would love just like an ultimate Mortal Kombat 11, but it, you know, featuring all the characters from nine, ten, and eleven, and building on that because. I'd love to see the story continue, and and if anybody's played through the story, the end of it, which I won't spoil, it's clear that they can now do literally anything they want to do. So, yeah, yeah. so, so they can go back to an absolute basics, or they can continue kind of like sending it out to the stratosphere. I'm hoping the next offering we see from them is kind of a celebration of the last three games. I know it's not what everybody wants, but that's put that's all three personally campaigns that in there happy. too. Yeah, why not? You know, I'll marathon, I'll marathon those, and, and yeah. that sounds like a great weekend. Nice. Yeah, I I always kind of wonder with as somebody who is not especially familiar with many fighting games, I, I always wonder how many of them would maybe lend themselves more to a, uh, what's it called? Um, killer Instinct, a Killer Instinct style of things where it's less a yearly or semi-yearly or whatever right. release and more kind of an evolving Platform. thing. Um, like, I mean, there haven't been that many mainline Street Fighter games but also there have been twice as many mainline Mortal Kombat games as that. So like, what's, is it supporting that really? I mean, is it, is it that there have been just so many changes or could this all have been supported kind of by, I don't think there's really a one definitive answer to that. I just, I, I I find it interesting to think of what leads to one development path versus another in, in situations like those that could maybe be construed as similar from some, angles i think what we've seen from neverrealm is they've got themselves and that franchise to a point where they can define their own path they don't Mm. kind of have to adapt to what others are doing because they've got themselves to a point of relevance of being taken so seriously now 
that they can kind of forge their own way and that's credit to the the work that they've they've done in um and obviously i think bringing injustice in has helped that because they've learned a lot from that franchise as well they've created a package and i, th- I think you're right Leah, they might end up doing the, the next mortal Kombat might just be like mortal Kombat, and it's kind of a hook right. for yeah. that for that franchise but you know time will tell um but whatever they do going forward it's like i'm on board shaolin monks too <laughs> yeah shaolin monks too why not please <laughs> the um not to get too into the weeds with the with the evo and fighting game community stuff too but it's it's also really nice that they have like like arguably the best player in the world is sonic fox who is such a like yeah. a vocal yeah. fun personality to watch so like every aspect of this game from playing it to watching it competitively it just feels like a good time it feels it just it just it has something to it that i like even though i loved x it just this just feels refined in every way it's it's awesome. It's a it's a great video game. I'm gonna have to uh, the, the list of games that I like now I am extra <laughs> wanting to go back and play are it's growing. It's growing. Can we can we all agree the industry has to give us one year to just catch up, please? That would be yeah. just like just before you off, release. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you're about to put out new consoles, so like, how about we just cut things off for now? Then we can catch up, and you just give us everything uh-huh. with the new exactly. ones. How about that? That's it. Just give us 100 launch games with the next gen consoles, <laughs> right. and we'll make our away from then like don't release anything from now till november these consoles <laughs> that'd be great they yeah, can skip that's... past all those subpar launch games and just just start hitting us with the hits yeah, immediately the i don't need to play to rise son of rome 2 like i'm good <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm good that's my wish list rise son of rome 2. no i just, i didn't play the first one so i don't see why this would be any different uh okay uh i do not have a clever segue for the next game which is dauntless because i don't know anything about dauntless somebody tell me about dauntless please dauntless is a weird game uh (laughs) that's the headline it's monster hunter cool (laughs) okay i'm listening you have my attention exactly so if you're like me and you've maybe thought a lot about monster hunter and then dabbled into it but finally monster hunter world was the one that really clicked with you and pulled you in dauntless is clearly a game made by people who saw monster hunter like monster hunter and then said what if we do that sort of blizzard approach of just shaving every rough edge off of monster hunter until it's a a perfect sphere now perfect is (laughs) with an asterisk i mean like it's multiplayer (laughs) by default so you basically go up to somebody they give you a mission the mission is hunt monster x the maps are tiny it's basically just big enough for you to locate the monster and chase the monster around. There's not really anything else happening on the maps. There's not a lot of like sub monsters and that sort of thing. It's just kind of the, the big thing on the map that you're trying to fight in terms of what it does. Right. I think multiplayer by default is really great. I think the experience of getting into these maps and loading them is so much more straightforward and less arcade. I literally, first time I tried to play with a friend in Monster Hunter World, I had to look up a guide and get on a wiki page of like, okay, so I start a session and then all of that stuff is gone here. So if you just like the act of like picking a weapon, going down, like getting good at its combos and hunting monsters with it, Dauntless is a free-to-play game for you. But I think it also has those free-to-play trappings of what's what's my favorite part of monster hunter cosmetics and cooler weapons. And when you're free to play, like those are two really viable paths of monetization, right? So dauntless, you find yourself, if you want to look special and unique, 
you're going to be paying money for it. If you are interested in, you know, getting buffs or debuffs, uh, unlike Monster Hunter, where you're kind of crafting them or cultivating them here, you'd be buying them like booster packs. So that kind of nastiness, I think, ruins the experience for me. But I think Capcom should pay attention to how easy it is to get into a match and start multiplayer in Dauntless. I, 2018 was an interesting year for me, and in 2018, I played a lot of Monster Hunter mm. World, and I'm looking at uh, Dauntless on the Microsoft Store currently, and uh, yeah, this looks like it might be uh, right up my alley, to be perfectly honest, so um, free-to-play games... I I don't have anything against monetization in free-to-play games. I mean, it is definitely an annoyance sometimes, because sometimes I would rather just give you the money and have you give me the game. <laughs> right. But I will still spend money on it if it is, if it is something that I am into enough. Uh, so I'm I'm tempted to uh, just, you know, oh, it's cross-platform. Well, yeah, let me, I was gonna, let me give you this assurance, which I think is something that every you know, game developer, please pay attention to it's cross-platform play. It's cross-platform progression and it's cross-platform purchases in game, which is really extraordinary. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So when you buy your special armor or whatever, it is with you everywhere. When you buy the battle pass or whatever, it's, it affects all platforms. You just see little PCs or Xboxes or PS4s next to everybody's name. And so like hmm. that that is why I, I actually did give the game money because I was like, I can do this in a guilt-free way. At least I know it'll honor the purchase wherever I want to play it. All right. Well, um, I guess I'm downloading that. Thanks. <laughs> I... <laughs> Great. I'll see you online. But hey, you know, yeah, I potentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've already uh, I've already bought you all copies. They're, they're showing up in your inbox. <laughs> anyway. Surprise. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Just with this a frown emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, consistently. Um, no, I love video games. <laughs> it's. I just wish that I had more time to play all of the video games that I love. Um, I did spend a whole lot of time on our next game, though, uh, which is Bloodstained Ritual of the I was Night. You, I watched you play some of this game. <laughs> yeah, I played. Uh, I played the end of this game on uh, my extra live stream that I did with uh, Elaine this year. Um, I. Uh, mentioned uh, way back in the beginning when we were talking about um, our, our fitness regimens um, that I have a stationary bike and what I do on my stationary bike because I don't do a super high impact uh, ride on that usually is I will have a video game that I am playing and it has to be a certain kind of video game like it can't really be something that um, requires really good aim or uh, that I have to be like intensely paying attention to Um so uh, Bloodstained was actually one of the first games that I dug into really hard on my bike. And uh, I played a lot of Bloodstained. It's a... Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, it is a kickstarted game by uh, Koji Igarashi, who uh, was one of the uh, main people uh, of the the Castlevania genre of games. I, I feel kind of justified in calling them a genre of games because they, they are, right? I mean, they are at this point. But uh, the specific Castlevania games were uh, largely his doing. And I uh, have been looking forward to this for a while. It's been in development for a while as a Kickstarter and uh, had, I believe it was 2018 that the... Um, 
the uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Was that the uh, yeah, that kind of 8-bit styled yep. mm-hmm. yeah, uh, prequel sort of to uh, to this guy came out and uh, enjoyed that. And uh, this one is more of a Symphony of the Night style game. Very hardcore Symphony of the Night in some places. Um, it's funny to actually just like pop out the maps and look at them because they, in some places they are really really close to each other and uh which is great i they were different enough that um that i didn't feel like i was repeating myself but they had enough callbacks for somebody like me who is very familiar with symphony of the night to uh you know really kind of get a lot out of that as well uh am i the only one who played bloodstained or uh i finished as well Oh, cool. Um, are you a uh, Castlevania fan in general? or uh... Yeah, so I, I am a Castlevania fan in general. I was a huge player of the NES Castlevanias when I was a kid, because um, that was our mm. main console as a kid, and then Super Castlevania. Um, I never had a PlayStation 1 until until maybe five years ago, so I, I, I played Symphony of the Night for the first time on Xbox Live Arcade, but I played mm. that, I mean, I what is it, is it 200 and... Two percent, whatever it is. Go to um, yeah, two hundred point two hundred point. Thank you. Yeah, two hundred point two. Oh, yeah, two hundred point two. That's yeah, uh, yeah. so I, I played it to that using a guide towards the end. Um, I, I I didn't obviously find it all myself. So so I was stoked for Bloodstained. Um, I um I was a Kickstarter uh, contributor to this game too. So I was uh, really pumped. Um, and yeah, so uh, I played through Curse of the Moon uh, when that came out, and then I played through all of Virtual of the Night on uh, on Xbox when that came out um, later on. So. Yeah, I I um I don't know what my final hour count was. It was it was significant for a game of that type, uh, and I, I really liked a lot of what they did because it wasn't just a you have a castle now you have an inverted castle. It, it you know it took that and it twisted it. Uh, I, li- I like that um, that power it gave you to to literally yeah. invert yourself. It, it really yeah. did. It was a nice throwback, <laughs> but also saying hey, this is still a different. It, it was a different enough thing that didn't. Make hey, you is f- there going to be an upside down castle? Yeah. Well, kind of actually. <laughs> it's just that it's the same castle. Yeah, different endings, uh, a lot to go back and yeah. do. Uh, I did not platinum this game yet. I'm still trying to decide because I, I missed one of the endings. Basically, I will have to, if I decide that I want to platinum this game, uh, go back and start do another playthrough yeah. because I missed a couple of things that are missable. Um, but I, I did do 100% map completion. Hmm. Oh, wow. You- that's that's impressive, yeah. Yeah, I I went around hitting a lot of walls to try and break through them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not it's not the most solid. I mean, there there are some kind of glitchy bits to it, and you know, it's not. It overall, I would say that it is pretty polished. It does have a really nice soundtrack. Yeah, uh, the soundtrack's brought, excellent. Uh, yeah, I think that I maybe brought at least one Bloodstained track to Sound of Play relatively recently. I could be wrong about that. Um, I might be thinking of a different game, but uh, it's... Um yeah, I I think that if you have any kind of fondness or reverence for those kinds of games at all, it's it's a good play. I I really enjoyed it myself, and uh, will probably go back to, to to Symphony of the Night again, probably. But yeah. maybe I will uh, do that as well. Uh, the puzzle solving uh, I thought was was particular a particularly nice homage to the old style Castlevania games in the fact that like like sometimes you'd end up with this item in your inventory, like oh I must use that for something later. But it's so far later that you just completely forget it's even there. And then you end up talking to a character. It's like, oh, you've got the blank, blank item. I'm like, oh, yeah. So then that opens up a door for you. You're like, oh, I forgot I even found that. And like kind of the obscure, like, like item hunting. And you don't really know what this thing's for yet. And it, it kind of reveals itself later. Um, I, I really felt the sense of progression and, and, and Bloodstain was fun. And I, I really 
liked kind of farming enemies to collect their their crystals their shards you know so you could absorb their powers i thought that was a really unique idea not i mean not, it's been done before but i thought it was really well em- implemented it kind of gave me a reason to try out um i wouldn't even call them necessarily different builds but just kind of some different combinations of powers like would mm-hmm. really lend yourself to getting through certain areas easier like um as you get later through the game sometimes you'll get into the into areas and you feel like am i here a little too early because like you just get start getting wrecked like right away but it's really the game kind of telling you you gotta switch up your play style a little bit maybe switch up the type of weapon you're using um and i think it, the game offered itself a, a, quite a bit of variety in in the way you could play it it's not without its technical hitches i mean that's that's yeah. for sure you can tell it's an independent video game and there's and there's nothing wrong with that and in fact Sometimes when I'd see the, you know, it's kind of see the in the framework of it, it would make me almost a little excited because like you just see like this thing was really cobbled together out of nothing but, you know, like hope and love and everything else reverence for the yeah. genre. But there's certain like there's a there's a particular boss fight near the end. It's kind of a uh, I don't even know what you call him. He, he's basically stacking poker chips this kind of casino guy and uh, mm-hmm. and and I was playing on an Xbox One X and I got to single frames. So I mean it, it has <laughs> yikes. It yeah, has it's it's they're rare but when they when they come up they're so like kind of like it's like daunting, you know what I mean? Or not daunting mm-hmm. is the wrong word, but you know the word words are hard, but you know what I'm talking about. It's it really <laughs> yes. um it really st- kind of halts you right in your tracks and and yeah. um startling, that's the word. And uh I think that uh you know, even with more time in the oven, I'm not sure if that would have been rectified at all. But yeah. the those rough edges, I think, also possess a lot of the game's charm. And I, I, I happily went through it. I'm, I still go back to it from time to time, kind of farming different items to make these different cooking recipes to try to fill that cookbook out and things. So um, there's a lot of a lot of different kind of I wouldn't even call mini games, but subsystems you can kind of get involved with if you want to. Um, and uh, I, I really do think um, that it, it's. Yeah, there's like side quests yeah. and there, there's stuff that maybe some of the uh, like like Symphony of the Night did not have, yeah. which I, I really like, you know, like I, I did like making these various dishes and, you know, upgrading your loadout stuff and, you know, crafting there's there's a lot in there that you don't have to engage with very much at all. No, not at but, all. It, but it does. Yeah. But it, it incentivizes it, it in a way that like like for like the cooking, for example, the first time you cook a dish, it permanently increases your stats just that first time. Yeah. So I really like that when I figured that out. And it, and it kind of was a few hours in when I realized maybe I had just skipped through a text screen or, or missed something. But um, it incentivized me to look for. So it was it was funny because my wife was laughing at me the one night I was in one area. I said I was like, where the hell is the heavy cream? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was looking for, <laughs> I was looking for bottles of heavy cream and like this weird cathedral. And like, it was, um, no, I mean, reasons to come back that kind of, kind of modernizing that genre and giving it a little bit of extra stuff around the edges. Um, it's, uh, anybody who even remotely likes the, the Metroidvania, which is a horrible clunky term, uh, style of game. Uh, there, there's a lot to offer in bloodstained. Tying back to our earlier conversation, this is yet another Game Pass game, right? PC and Xbox. Yeah, yeah. It it came yeah. it came to Game cool. Pass. Um, yeah, it was probably yeah recently came to Game Pass recently. All yeah. right. Well, I've got no excuse now. Yeah, I played uh, I played it on PS4, but I that might have been before it came to Game Pass. We're going to pretend like it is, so it's not like I just missed the Game Pass game for no reason. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you say that to a person who bought a twenty dollars copy of Rage Two two months ago just to watch it come oh, yeah. on Game yeah. Pass. Us. I was like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> at least you didn't pay. At least you didn't pay full price for Rage Two. Uh, who would do that? No, but, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 well, <laughs> now we've discovered everybody's shame. 
shame on this episode. <laughs> I have so much. I have so much shame to give. It's fine. We have to. We okay. This is it. We're now shame free. We are shameless on this episode. <laughs> shame free yes, zones. Yes. We've got it all the out there. Two, the shame free. Listeners, judge us if you want, but you really shouldn't because we all just want to play games. No. Or we love them. Yeah, we're keeping these. Poor game developers <laughs> in business, mistake. sending like, their kids to college. Nothing quite as big as the mistake that was Rage 2. No, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, my $60 copy of Rage oh, 2 man. is still in the plastic, so I don't know. Uh, it looked good. It was good trailers, for sure. Anyway, this is not a this is not a podcast about Rage you know, 2 it's or a, my shame. Know, I'm sure my son, when, when I'm unable to afford his college, will be really stoked <laughs> about the Persona 5 Special Edition Morgana plush I've got on my, on my hey, shelf. You know? Hey, hey. We're going through this you episode, and I'm just thinking of everybody that like does not listen to playwright and is used to listening to Kane and Rance going, who is this jerk with all of his crazy, loud opinions about video games coming on this this episode? Ruining my favorite podcast. You listen to Playwright, um, <laughs> <laughs> because then you can hear more jerk opinions. That's right. It's fine. Uh, it's perfectly well with the rest of the podcast. Who's played Aperture Hand Lab? That was a segue. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I, I'm not. wasn't. I'm not trying to be a, a, a I'm not trying to be a, a wise guy, but like I I don't what is Aperture Hand Lamp? I've, same. I've never no, heard of this I, game. I had okay yeah so I was in the same um, same situation when I was making this list. Um, so stop me if I'm wrong because here is what I know about it. It is connected to Portal and it's VR. That's all I know. Go on. <laughs> Help. <laughs> yes. That's all I got. That's it. Uh, anybody else? Did, it, yeah, did any of us play it? Uh, you're down as having played it. I am. Oh no! I didn't play I mean, that this. Was a, that was a forgettable title. <laughs> what was Maybe, right well, above yeah. or under this game? Uh, let's Bring see. on Ape Alex. Out, Ape Out is above. <laughs> Ape Out is above. Apex Legends is below. What's above? Apex. Or I'm sorry. Ape Out. Okay. N- no. I. This is just a straight mistake. Wild. Okay. Um. So hey. Uh, after you have lied came to out, us for we... the last time, Quintal. <laughs> that's what I mean. I've ruined the show. This. Terrible. Uh, sorry, Ryan. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Let me guys tell you about Aperture Hand Lab. It's uh, it's a video game. And it's, yeah, uh, this is available. This is Did you put this in here so that we could create yeah. the game? <laughs> Just in, it becomes an episode of Playwright. You're trying to sneak. You're trying to sneak Playwright into. Yeah, exactly. What do you think would happen in Aperture Hand Lab? Tell me. This is the part where we break for a. Uh, a uh, an ad for <laughs> that's what this is. Aperture Hand Lab. An ad for uh, Playwright. <laughs> I will say that if you are interested in making up games, Mario Maker 2 is oh. one that might also appeal to you. Boom. Ah, oh, God, I am really getting good at wow. the segue thing. Uh, yeah, it's it's perfect. And every time I call it out, it just gets a little bit stronger. Uh, so uh, I, I, I've never really been much for Mario Maker 2. Or Mario Maker 1. I enjoy playing the things, the weird things that other people put together, but I... I feel like I don't have that particular stripe of creativity in me. Uh, how about you guys? So I picked up Mario Maker 2 uh, the weekend that it came out. And it was an unusual purchase for me because I'd gone on no end about not picking up Mario Maker 1 because <laughs> I always felt that it probably isn't as easy as Nintendo make it look to make 2D levels, right? So um turns out Nintendo are quite good at it. And my fear was that people wouldn't be as good. So I avoided the first game. However, I caved to the pressure of needing a new game on my Switch. And I picked up Super Mario Maker 2. 
uh, people don't make levels as good as Nintendo make levels. So uh, <laughs> it fell somewhat short for me because there is a lot of dross on that store yeah. to play. And that's kind of the big issue because whilst some levels are made by incredibly talented designers and you'll see YouTube videos and you'll see articles on Kotaku and Polygon and Eurogamer, etc., um, featuring these incredible creations. And there's no doubt that you can make some phenomenal things from um, Super Mario Maker 2, and there's a lot of tools in there for you to be able to do so. But it's like finding that needle in a haystack amongst the levels yeah. that are there just to make you pull your hair out. So these are the levels that you see at AGDQ and SGDQ that are just ridiculously difficult iterations that only the truly elite Mario players can actually complete. And then you get about five seconds into a level and keep dying. And that kind of gets lost. And the store design and the findability of these things is not that great. The story mode feels like a string of early concept levels laid out that haven't actually been finalized or had the final touches put together. So they're not the kind of things that you would expect to see in Super Mario Brothers U or Super Mario Brothers other world, other 2D ones that, that are out there. And it just feels like it's all the B-grade material with the ability to potentially make some elite levels that unfortunately you don't really see a lot of. So the concepts there and the ability to get it to the players are there, but yet it doesn't quite come together for me. And for all the reasons that I avoided Mario Maker 1 came to fruition with Mario Maker 2, and I feel like my original thoughts were justified, and it for me it just falls a lot short because my intention is to go in there and have a quote-unquote unlimited number of levels to play, but I have no interest in trying to make them myself because I'm just not going to do as good a job as Nintendo. Yeah, it seems like what you would really want if you're not if you're looking for other people's levels and aren't maybe the hottest on making your own then you would really want some kind of good filtering system or yeah. way to surface those levels and a lot of the complaints that i had heard are that Nintendo doesn't do a great job with that because Nintendo does not actually understand how the internet works. Right. So I, I can't mm. I can't vouch for that myself. That's just what I one of the complaints that I had heard from both the first Mario Maker and from this one. So that that seems like an issue. And that's and that's what Carl hit right on the head. The mm -hmm. findability is is the problem with Mario Maker Two. Yeah. I put a lot of time to Mario Maker Two. I really like making the levels. I find it to be quite anxiety relieving for me actually. Just kind of like the placing blocks and placing enemies and thinking about where things go. And I am for sure not a great level designer i just it just i enjoy being able to make my own mario levels and play through them and the reason i think i played so much of it this time around is to to plug the kane and rinse community and the kane and rinse forums is there were probably a good dozen of us for the first i'd say two or three months on the kane and rinse forum just sharing level codes and playing each other's levels and giving oh, that's constructive criticism and critiques and cool. it was great um yeah suits was uh was one of the one of the big the big contributors there and 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 we would go back and forth sometimes sometimes even like one or two levels a day we just kind of shoot back and forth to each other and play off each other's ideas or maybe try to improve on another one. So that social aspect is great. The problem is, is that if you don't have a cane and rinse forum, if you are just, you know, yeah. like just, just someone on the internet, like you feel like you can really be screaming into the void. Like you make this level, you put all this care in the world and you put it on there and some levels I would put on and they'd, they'd inexplicably get like, you know, thousands of plays and then other levels would get, you know, l you know, less than 10. And, 
and there would this seemed to be no real way and i'm not complaining about my levels not being played it's, i i couldn't find others to play that were the one the style that i wanted to play that weren't yeah. those critically hard ones that carl was describing yeah so yeah it was it's it's such a good idea for a game it's like hey let's take our most recognizable most identifiable franchise and let you tinker mm-hmm. with it like let's see if you think it's as easy as it is because obviously it's not as carl said but like but also like some people like they're wildly creative they create these like these musical symphonies and these autoplay levels and then there's nice challenging there's one that the one that i love the most was that somebody actually uh made like a almost like a playable pinball game out of um yeah. out, of, out of their mario maker level really fantastic stuff but if you only go by like the top liked levels 90 not, i'd say 95 percent of those were just those ultra hard you know crazy yeah. deaths you know gotta you know bounce the shell off the wall and catch it four times in order to get there and i'm just not that type of player i i you play in my opinion i play mario for the for the fun challenge and 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 finding that amongst all the noise is very difficult with mario maker 2 it seems like uh, it, mario maker 2 is a fascinating game for nintendo to make right because they are taking arguably their most valuable franchise right by by a good margin and they're putting it in the hands of everyone else but like in a way that if nintendo really had a deep appreciation or understanding for what a game as a service was or long-term support mario maker 2 could find itself you know to being like the greatest video game creator or platformer creation platform like of all time right if they're curating levels and they're in there every day and they're the creators are actually giving feedback but there's all these tools, like I can't watch the way people play the levels I make, uh, which is a great way of getting feedback, right? Of knowing like what is what's tripping people up. I can't I can't watch other people play through a level that I'm considering. And if I want to have, you know, search out, hey, give me the most Nintendo like experiences that the community has made. I have to do it through forums and articles and Reddit you know, threads and all these different things. And it's like, why can't Nintendo do that for me? So ultimately, like I come down on like Mario Maker 2. It's another amazing thing that in a lot of ways feels like squandered opportunity. I think that's absolutely fair. And you're absolutely right. When it came to me trying to find the best levels, it involved putting the switch down, going to my computer, finding (laughs) some major website to find a level number to put back into my switch yeah, and you're like absolutely. this this is just not right and it, this is the same kind of frustration that nintendo have done over the years with friend id codes like yeah. come on we've got names just let me search by the name yeah, we're like, doing that right why now. do i need a 12 digit number yeah. and it's yeah it's just these are the frustrations that you think do they do this intentionally right, <laughs> like, right. how can you keep missing it and it, again it's so mario maker has all of the franchise and all of the identifiable licenses of of Nintendo for over 30 years, somehow it falls short of something like Little Big Planet, which was all built around that because it's so much easier to build these brutally difficult levels where it seems the goal of the creators is to laugh at how many death records come through on their on their score sheet rather than to actually craft something that's there for people to really appreciate. And it's the same kind of thing, you know, when you look online and you see these things that people are creating in dreams and you've got these creators that want to create something so truly wonderful to be enjoyed by other people. And it feels like that's what Dreams and Little Big Planet tried to sell, or in the case of Dreams, is trying to sell. 
And with Mario, they have the opportunity to sell that, yet don't. Right. And it's like, I want I want Mario with what those other services can offer. And I just think we'd have a truly amazing set of tools that we'd, we'd see some truly groundbreaking things from. But I just don't think that either Nintendo can or want to, to, to sell that as a product. To your point, Carl, I think if if Nintendo cared about really curating the levels or had people in there maintaining it and putting forth things, I'm sure you could package at least 10 Mario 1s, 3s, worlds, and uh, 3D worlds worth of Nintendo-feeling games out of this game. But how to get to them is a mystery, and that's, that's insane. And there's there's a place for the ultra hard levels. You know what I mean? Like right, oh, I think yeah. there's some people who are incredibly good at, at making oh, those. Absolutely. And the, the high level skill of play. You watch some Twitch, Twitch streamers, and it's just like I can't believe the things they're doing with Mario. And there were some actually great levels that were tutorials for how to play those levels. It was really kind of interesting to see that. But that community is so small, honestly. When you think of the wide, yeah. the wider slice of people who might just want to buy this and play the the levels that, for lack of a better term, feel like Mario levels, and they were so few and far between, and almost, and almost impossible to seek out. Um, yeah, really, it feels like such a great, great idea that if you told me as a as an eight year old that someday there'd be a yeah. game where I could make my own Mario levels, like oh my, like it would, it would, my head would have exploded. And then in its execution, I just feel like it's just it's so close to being the greatest thing but just fails mm-hmm. slightly in so many areas that just make it unfortunately a mediocre product to where now what I do is I just make levels for myself. Like I'll just open up a tablet and make a level and I'll put it up there, but I don't really expect anything from it. Like I, it, it's just because I enjoy the making. It's almost like a Minecrafty type of experience. You know what I mean? Like a creator mode. So it's got, yeah, it's exactly. got, it's got so much potential. It just, the discoverability as I feel like I'm saying the same things over and over. It's just, it's really, it makes it really hard to love. Yes. Yeah. That's that is unfortunate because I, it is such a cool idea, and I know that a lot of people have gotten a lot out of it. It's just, it's just tough when it's so isolated in a thing that should be so not. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> Fire Emblem is weird for me. Uh, I got back into well, I say got back into. I, I really didn't get back into anything because I w- was never into Fire Emblem to begin with. I thought that turn-based strategy grid type games were not for me. Um, but then this year, I played uh, the 3DS Fire Emblem uh, and really, really loved it. And then I played uh, uh, well, one of the 3DS Fire Emblems. I think there were a couple. Uh, I also played Final Fantasy Tactics for the first time ever and actually finished it. Um, that game is hard, but um, yes, I did finish it. Um, and I purchased Fire Emblem Three Houses and I haven't played it yet. Um, so I, I, I'm way into this idea of uh, being able to choose kind of who you want to side with. Um, so this game appeals to me a whole lot. Uh, so um, I'm interested to hear what those of you actually did play have to say about Fire Emblem Three Houses. What is the house representation here? I, houses like um like Harry Potter houses kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, what is but I mean like what is what's everybody's chosen house those of us that did play? I'm a black eagle. Is that I, I the one that I liked was the one with the the cool lady um 
which I don't know which house that is. I forgot. It could be the Black I, Eagles, I Edelgard. Maybe, okay, cool. All right. She, she's Sweet. my lady. So Because I'm pretty sure that the same woman who voices Mitsuru in Persona 3 actually voices her, too. So All things come back to Persona. It's fine. <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh, no, I am a, I'm a golden deer man myself. I mean, have All you right. seen Claude's hair? Have you seen Claude's hair? <laughs> I am not going to. I will follow those silky locks into battle anywhere he goes. I love, I love my man Claude. Like you, Leah, I I didn't really play many Fire Emblems before. If I did, I maybe just, you know, for a second and been like, this is different and strange. And I, I there's not a lot of games that are exactly like Fire Emblem uh, these days. So I kind of came into this not knowing what to expect or to see if it would get its hooks in me. And I played, I didn't, I certainly haven't played enough to speak intelligently about the course of the game. But one thing that interested me is I found that, and I think this is not typical of a Fire Emblem, I found that the combat, I would rather, I think if I return to it, just simulate. I wasn't pulled in by the combat of this game, but I really found, um, maybe because I, was, I wasn't I was playing on permadeath mode, and I wasn't playing on, I think, what Fire Emblem fans would call like the true, quote-unquote, mode of this game. So it was a little bit easy, it's a little was a little bit boring for me and I but I loved teaching and I loved talking to my students and having meals and all of this stuff this weird like almost persona e relationship simulator stuff yeah and because the game is so flexible in letting you say hey do you want to just simulate that aspect of it versus hey do you want to simulate the combat I guess you could just simulate everything and I, I don't know be a google ai that completes the game well I think you you can do that, can't yeah. you, for a lot of things? I, I Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know about uh, Three Houses specifically, but I know that a lot of the battles for the one that I played, um, you could pretty much just put it on auto and say, okay, here are my people, go for it. Yeah. And yeah. I think if I go back to the game, I will do that because I'm really interested in the story. I hear that there's a time jump that's uh, a really great moment in the game. And I really like shaping the students and pairing them together for studies. And I, for some reason, that minutia works really well for me in this game. That was a lot of what I also liked about the uh, the Fire Emblem games that I have played uh, was, yeah, the whole battling and also, uh, you know, dating sim, uh, high school dating Kid. Don't date your students. Oh, PSA, gosh. don't oh, date your yeah, students. No, but there's, don't, don't date the students, but like, I mean, <laughs> I know, students you're, can date you're getting each other dinner with them and buying them gifts and sending them flowers yep. on their birthday. It's a, <laughs> hey yeah. guys, you're, play, you're, play, you're playing matchmaker that's, is what you're doing. That's and, what the time uh, yeah. jump is for, am I right? Makes you feel oh, yeah, not I bad so about now later. Don't date your students. Yeah, exactly. I, okay. Yeah, no, it's um a Fire Emblem. I, this is the number one game on my list of games I need to go back and finish because I put like mm. probably 25 hours into it and fell away for one reason or another. You know, other games come out, yeah. you know, shinier things, you know, just kind of draw your attention. This one's pretty substantial from what yeah, I hear. Yeah, I, like, like 25 hours and I hadn't didn't hit the time jump thing yet. So I, I, I'm less Oof. than what people would consider halfway through the game um, at 25 hours. And I, I really do love it. But I'm completely with Ryan. The most in, intriguing thing about this game to me personally is watching the characters interact with each other, is walking around the school and talking to everybody. I like every day that you have off. It's, think of it in terms of a persona style schedule, like uh, like every day on the calendar, you can do a certain amount of events and then your time runs out. You have to go to bed. So 
every single day there, it felt like there was a reason to go around and talk to literally everybody in that school because it would either explain something a little bit more about the lore. You'd find somebody who has an item for you. Like it rewards you for knowing your class, knowing your house, knowing your students, um, in a really fun and, and rewarding way. I, I, and I, I also, I love the aesthetic of the game. Like it just, it, the, the three color choice, this, you know, this kind of yellow, red and, and blue, these houses, like it makes everything so strikingly different that you have no, there's no way for you to not visually, visually understand what, what house or faction everybody's aligned to immediately. And it just like, it makes just walking around that world really fun because you can see somebody from far off and be like, well, I know that they're, you know, uh, you know, black Eagle or they're this, that, that, that. it's a, it's really well, like the visual, the language, visual language in that game is really, really, um, satisfying. Um, I can't wait to get back to it, but it's one of those things that like, I, I put it down. The cool thing about it though, what I've, what I've noticed is that when I have dipped back in, it's not hard to regain your footing. Um, they yeah. do a very good job of onboarding you every time and keeping you invested and and there's a good there's a good way to recap the story. Say you stepped away for a month or so, you go back, you can kind of see what's going on. Yeah, I'm stoked to get back to it. I wish I could speak more to the end game and to the and to the to the story stuff, but um, it, it, from what I've played of it, I, I've loved every minute of it. I just haven't found a chance to get back. And and you say you know 25 hours and you're less than halfway. I think one important thing because when I hear something like that now, I'm like, no, thank you. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think something right. yeah. is like not going to take that much time in my life. But when you're moving around the uh, school or the church, at least in the beginning parts of the game, there's a very generous fast travel system. Um, there's great options for turning in quests of like found objects and stuff. And if you're a, a dialogue skipper, there's a wonderful transcript that you can access. So there's a lot of little details in there that really feel like you're you're getting the most out of your time and your time management in that game in a way that like sometimes a JRPG you're like I I don't know yeah. that seemed to have happened a dozen hours ago I don't even remember mm. <laughs> well no actually of all the games that we're talking about that uh, you haven't spent time with Leah I think Fire Emblem could be the most <laughs> oh yeah hundred percent that's well see that's the thing that's kind of why I I got. I feel like I tricked myself early on into thinking that I would really like things like Fire Emblem and like Disgaea and like, because they're all very much my aesthetic. Like I love some weird Japanese nonsense. Um, I, I, I am an anime fan, uh, but I was never really into the gameplay aspect. I find that with these games, I kind of like you guys were saying, I get more into the, the part that isn't the the grid based combat, yeah. uh, and I I still do play through those, and I I find them satisfying. But I generally do take the difficulty level down when I can, to and I mean that doesn't work with something like Final Fantasy Tactics. There is no difficulty level, but um, you know I, when I have that option, sometimes I will choose to focus more on the actual story that's going on behind it because oftentimes I. I find that to be just as satisfying as the actual gameplay itself. So, uh, yeah, this one's high on my list of uh, ones that I uh, will be getting around to hopefully soon. Um, I'm I'm struggling for time, but I still I'm putting as much as I can into a lot of these games. So uh, I feel like I'm saying that a lot. But yes, yeah. the real reason I ended up picking it up is because Nintendo was really hoisting it up as like this marquee thing. And, and like at this point, yeah. I feel like the Fire Emblem characters are just like leftover people in Smash. You know, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was kind of the joke. Yeah, it was like there were so many Fire Emblem games out already before they really started to become a thing in in the West. And 
And I don't know whether that yeah. one on the GameCube was the first one that came out over here or whether were the GBA ones maybe before I that. I think they were. I, I, I don't think know. it was they, GBA first. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that there were um, you know, Japan exclusive ones as far back as the Super Nintendo and uh, or Super Famicom, I guess. Um, but, you know, so in Japan, these had been characters and a franchise that had been around considerably before it made it across you know across to the the western uh release territories and it's kind of a shame um but at the same time i, I don't have time to go all the way back to the super nintendo ones to, to actually get into the series so uh kind of glad selfishly but i mean if you go back like those gamecube titles or i guess there's just the one that gamecube title is rare and expensive yeah, it is. i have yes, found it is and I don't know whether that has is any indication of how good it is or whether it's just that it's, you know, rare. But, uh, yeah, people are people like that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think Nintendo has figured that out finally, maybe in another 10 or 20 years. You know, we're living in an age, too, where we might actually get a port of it, potentially. So who knows? Well, it's true. Yeah, it who knows? Very well could yeah. be. And all things are possible through the never-ending series of, of game ports and re-releases and remasters. And I'm happy about that. I sound like I'm, you know, denigrating that, but I'm not at all. I, I'm into it. Anything that allows me to play games more easily than having to uh, either find some weird way to hook up a retro console or... I mean, I did buy a Retron 5 this year, so I guess it's not all that bad. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, Sometimes kind of easier if I can just buy a port and download it. But, uh, yeah. A uh, game that has not been ported to anything, as far as I'm aware, uh, Gears Pop. Yeah. Who? Has anybody Tell played this about... besides me? <laughs> I yeah. no, okay. no. Yep, I have. Carl, Carl, is this because of our, is this because of our shared love for achievements? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. So I'm, I'm literally, unless Carl has, has much more exposition to do on Gears Pop, um, I, I can literally sum down my Gears Pop experience into two sentences. Gears Pop is Clash Royale and it's very bad. It also <laughs> gave me 200 achievement points, which is why I put two hours into it. End of Gears Pop for me. <laughs> All right, Carl, how's how's your Gears Pop experience? <laughs> so I'm probably, well, I am more positive on it than that. <laughs> it's not great. It, the, the, so they're always adding to it. It's currently just entering the fourth season, as I've been alerted via the pop-ups because I haven't opened it in six weeks. It, it's a very basic tower defense three-on-three um, style game that, is only Gears by aesthetic. That's what um, I was going to ask, because I mean, Gears, Gears 5 did come out this year, and we're not talking about it specifically, but like, I was kind of wondering, I mean, does it actually tie into Gears 5 at all? Or, Absolutely or not. Nah? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some of, the, some of the characters are in it, and the characters have abilities um, or powers, so you can get someone like Kate from Gears 4 and Gears 5, who uh, will ignore the... Uh, the minnows of the battlefield and try and take out the, the, the gun turrets at the back. That'll be their focus. So you try and structure your team around their certain abilities and you, you may have to wait longer for certain characters to come out. So someone like Marcus who can take cover, take out enemies and capture points will take longer in time than calling out um, sort of a standard team of, of uh, Nasher uh, fighters, for example. And, and, you know, stuff... 
So there is there is that balance. There's that risk reward of do I use my more powerful things and take longer doing it? Do I go down the left and hope that they try and go down the right? Do I put characters and feed them to the left to try and get them to combat me on their side and then switch one key character over to the other side? So there is there is a sense of strategy and when it works, it works really well. But when you get to a certain level, because it does have a tier system and you get across people. So there are times when you come across people who have clearly spent a lot of money on microtransactions. You can sure. tell by their yeah. their main base uh, person's health. Um, so it takes a long time to level up. Obviously, it, it takes longer to level up the higher levels you are. And that involves leveling up your troops, which levels you up overall. Um, at an Is epic it all level. playing against other people or are you? Yeah, so once you get past the tutorial. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, the, well, there is a horde mode as well, but you'll be playing with other people against one horde boss. But that's not really, it doesn't seem as popular yeah. mm-hmm. um, as, as sort of the, the, the one-on-one um, combat. And when you get to a certain level in a certain tier, it becomes a case that, you kind of neutralize each other. So you just end up getting a lot of draws because yeah. there's mm-hmm. a two-minute two window. Um, mm-hmm. So whilst you can use a strategy and stuff to get to that point, at that certain point, it feels like if you're not playing someone who hasn't bought a lot of microtransactions or you haven't bought a lot of microtransactions, you just start getting draws and like a lot of dead rubbers and you don't get anything from those. So you come back with zero. And it, at that point, I'm like, well, this seems to be a bit of a chore at this point. When that isn't the case, and it was balanced getting there, I actually quite enjoyed my time with it. I admit to spending a little bit on a couple of microtransactions in there as I was enjoying the game, but I, like I said, I got to a point and that was mm. it. I, I felt like I was done. It teared off as a result, and I, I feel very little need to go back in a world where there are some really strong mobile games. Yeah. So, stupidly, I recently went back to Marvel Puzzle Quest. <laughs> so, I, I'd gone off that for 15 months. So, I was kind of looking for a game and, oh, and I thought it clean. might have been Gears Pop. I was almost clean. I was there. I had my, you know, I had my, you I had my one year chip and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Relapse. and I thought it was going to be Gears. And I was like, do you know what's better than Gears? Marvel Puzzle Quest. <laughs> I thought, I'll see what yeah. it's like. I'll see if there's been any changes. And I am back. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, Gears has kind of fell by the wayside. I have got a bunch of achievements and I'll probably chip away at it a bit at a time. And it might be like a, a bit of a, a sort of a long burn, but yeah. um, a, a missed opportunity, I feel. Yeah, I was being reductive for the for, for humor's sake before. But <laughs> the, the, the reality is that there's a framework there for something cool. Like even the pop aesthetic, yeah. like like I, at first I like I don't like pop vinyls, just my personal opinion. I don't find them like the the visual style intriguing. But then like you know I Same. would get like a general ROM pop would show up. I'd be like, oh that's pretty cool, you know. Like like there were reasons to keep coming back. But the the thing that I I guess when I said it's bad before is that the gameplay itself is that if you played any of those type of Clash Royale style mobile games, it's gonna feel familiar. And it's not poorly designed, but the game is very aggressive with its microtransaction strategy. It's the first thing you see yeah. when you open it up. It, they're, they're pop up Every time you finish a match, there's a pop-up window for buying this currency or unlocking this thing. And and to the point where it really shrugged me off. And, and I am not above playing a game just for its achievement points. I, I just recently... Because I, I love getting achievements. I, I really, it's one of my hobbies to just play even, even more so getting as much enjoyment playing a very bad game to get the achievement points. I, I like it. But Gears Pop felt like it was fighting against me at every turn and just saying, hey, spend this money. Hey, do this thing. And I'm 
all about spending money on mobile games that I'm invested in, you know, that I that I really enjoy, yeah. that I that I want to give money. It's a free to play game, but I'm enjoying it and I want the yeah. developers to do more and to do it. Like, I want to support the games I like. And this game just c- consistently over and over again, put up another wall in front of me where I was like, do I really want to do Do I want to keep doing this? Do I really want to go? And after maybe it was two or three hours, maybe even three or four um it just I, I had crossed that threshold of I no longer am getting out of this game what I want to for the time I'm investing in it. And I, I walked away from it there. Well, let me tell you about a little mobile game called My Horse Prince. <laughs> so you can buy these golden carrots. Go on. Mm-hmm. Yes. OK, I'll, I'll, I'll send you some links. Please. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be far less kind than Brian just was. I find the whole pop vinyl aesthetic sort of creatively bankrupt Mm. when microsoft made this announcement originally it was a kind of a face palmy why are you pairing this with an announcement for a marquee game of yours and it was just such a it's been such a strange concept in my mind since the beginning i'm glad that there it sounds like there's a game there somewhere but yeah between i don't know if the pop collaboration was also a way for microsoft to uh, make some money back no matter what if it didn't do well or yeah, or what the sort of business dealing was here but yeah. to your point about the microtransactions this felt like announcing it was just for investors and releasing it is just for the microtransactions and it was way more about business than like pushing gears into new and interesting territory yeah to me it just kind of feels like like regardless of the quality of the game itself they kind of set it up to be a joke like and i mean that not not that they intentionally set it up to be a joke but like i mean why did it have to be the pop like so many people have like i don't i don't didn't have i don't dislike (laughs) the pops like i just i i have a handful of funko pops i am not a serious collector or anything like that but i have like a laura palmer wrapped in plastic pop because i think it's really funny i've got a a call drogo pop staring me in the face right now like i I get it like we're all part of the problem yeah Yeah. but like i i think it's i think it's illegal to not own at least one funko pop i don't know no, it's it's weird. Uh, no, but but yeah, I mean, they they just the way that it was announced and the combination of it, like why gears like it just seems so ridiculous. Why yeah. it just yeah. the way that they did it, I, I think, almost affected me and, as much as the the fact that it's. I mean, I I have nothing against mobile games. I have nothing against microtransactions when they're appropriate. Right. But yeah. I this just sounds like it could have been. Not a, maybe it couldn't have been great, but it could have probably been more than maybe it ended up being if it hadn't been so weirdly commercialized. Yeah, in a, it, in a it's strange really way. Weird because that pop look gives it nothing. If anything, it's arguably a detractor for sure. Mm. Yeah, from from gears because of the nature of gears. You right, know, it's, it's, yeah, obviously yeah, they could have, it's quite a visceral, and it's easy for me to to Monday morning quarterback the development. But even if you did a chibi version of marcus and like i would say lego but i bet lego they wouldn't have let them do it because it's yeah because so violent, violent yeah but like yeah yeah i mean it really does it it drives away the aesthetic i'm sure from a from a game design or character design point of view it's probably pretty easy to swap you know and and to and to make a bunch of different characters oh, but e- probably easy. easier for on a mobile platform yes exactly well. yeah but it's I, I think you've summed it up right that when that was announced at e3 it was kind of when it went back to the the, the stage even the presenters were a bit like yeah we know we know we know that's a bit naff. i could be wrong here but i'm almost 
I'm almost sure directly after that trailer ran, I think the first line out of Phil Spencer's mouth was, now I know what you're thinking. I think that's what he said. <laughs> like, like, they knew, like, right away, everyone's like, what the hell? But, I mean... I love Phil Spencer. Yeah, He's so wonderful. I, he is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't... Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it, to me, it's just, it's almost an, an entire miss, um, because... Because the type of person I am, and I'm not, this is not being facetious at all. If Microsoft gave me a way to achieve, to get achievement points on my mobile device on a regular basis, I'm all there for that. Like, I'm in. I'm your mobile game customer. That's me. And I just feel like they, they missed the mark so hard on so yeah. many different levels that it, you just couldn't really invest anything oh, into it. Yeah. It is a shame. All right, well, we spent a lot more time than I thought <laughs> we were going to talking about Gears Pop, to be perfectly we spent honest. more time on this than Resident Evil 2. I almost. I'm, I'm sorry, not Carl. Sure. It's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit messed up. Uh, but one that I think that I, several of us, <laughs> me included, are going to have quite a lot to say about uh, is Control, which came out in the end of August. Uh, and... For a start, I will say that I wasn't really invested in control before it came out. I it wasn't that I wasn't completely interested in it. I just it wasn't really on my radar. Like it, it was one of those eh, I'll probably play it at some point, but I'm not super jazzed for it. And then like in the first week, I did one of the quickest turnarounds I have ever done from <laughs> I don't I don't think I care about this game to I need this game immediately if not sooner. Uh so I yeah. So uh, who who else actually played Control? I did. Yeah, yeah I, I did. I like this game a lot. Um, so Control is uh, a game that was put out by uh, Remedy, who also uh, developed Alan Wake and um, Quantum Break, uh, or kind of the, the most recent uh, big titles of theirs. Um, and I enjoyed both of those games, so I'm not really sure why Control didn't strike a, a, a chord with me right from the beginning, because basically this is like the X-Files, the game, and not mm -hmm. the really bad the X-Files, the game that came out on the PS2 in, like, 2000 or whenever it was. I don't remember the exact date. But, um, yeah, I... Okay. Control is... If it's not my game of the year this year, then it's top three for sure. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, Brian, you, you recently wrote a piece uh, for Kate and Rinse about this. Yeah. So um, do you want to uh, talk a little bit about that and uh, and your experience with Control before I kind of get going any further? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I'll be brief, um, but like Control, and I'll be echoing things, a lot of things you already said, like the, the protagonist, Jesse Faden, was somebody I really connected with because um, her, her kind of struggle to get answers to her past remind me uh, a lot in a lot of ways in my own my mother's struggle with um multiple sclerosis um which she has been uh, dealing with since i was about four years old and and kind of jesse's jesse goes on a bit of a like on a trek where where at first she kind of hates the fbc the federal bureau of control and she kind mm -hmm. of gets in there and she kind of becomes an unwilling participant in this in in this structure of the organization without giving too much away and then actually through her engagement with the NBC, she comes to really love the power it's giving her and 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 her whole character arc of kind of turning her own situation, which was a whole negative beforehand and and making that situation the thing that gave her her power made her as a character resonate with me super hard. Like I am I am a Jesse Faden like fan like I like I <laughs> I read 
everything like i went back and read remedy um dev uh diaries um during afterwards and i didn't read it before mm-hmm. at all i sought out things about like oh who was actually involved in character design in this game like i th- i think that the character of jesse faden and and you can kind of say this about the game at least i can say this about the game as a whole mm-hmm. it's so well realized it and it just it to use terms that are just so overused by people that talk about video games all the times that you could tell they just had a vision for what this game was and it was just executed so well to where yeah. for me and i and i think you already said a little bit about this leah like things that people talk about now like the combat and the powers and 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 everything else like that those are all integral portions of the game i agree with that you can't have this game without telekinesis and without everything else but th- the actual physical act of playing the game took such a backseat for me to just existing in that world just being a part of the oldest house to just seeking out every corner to just find out what the hell's going on to the first time I used my rocket launcher and I hit a wall and that wall broke away and had a secret room behind it. And I realized there's more to this game than I thought. Like the game's just got style on style on style. And I just, it's so much about what I love about games. And then on top of it, it's a blast to play. So like, yeah. so see, I, I, this game connected with me definitely on a personal level, which, which gives it Jesse Faye, that character that means so much to me. And, and it, it became so much about my, my own mother's story. And that's just a test. That's not because I think they wrote the game. They didn't write this game in mind being like, how can we please Brian? Like they, <laughs> they definitely have a knack. Remedy has a knack for making characters relatable and understandable and so actually human that it just it I was instantly within four or five hours in that game I was just drawn in I was going I was reading every piece of lore I was doing I was just doing anything they put in my path I was going to seek out to its fullest conclusion thousand point of the game ten days after it came out went right back in started again like it just like that 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 contained that oldest house location her story it just it works for me on almost every level I I will gush about this game for as long as you let me I I completely agree I um. I enjoyed playing the game, but it wasn't, that wasn't it. Like it was, it was the fact that this, this whole, I mean, you are confined by and large to one building, you know, with, with some kind of exceptions along the way, obviously to uh, different places and different times and that kind of thing. But I, I mean, you're not, it's not an open world game. You are in a building that is, effectively another character in the story because yeah. it is yep. always changing oh yeah. oh yeah yeah and it it is always kind of presenting new places to you it moves it shifts and that's a huge part of what you're doing there is you know getting into why it's doing this and how you integrate into that just being in there i i also uh i played it on ps4 and and got the platinum because and and i don't I, i'm not really an achievement hunter uh i will games, uh, be that, you know, getting all the trophies or all the achievements or whatever, only if it's a game that I want to spend more time in. So I did it with Bloodborne. I did it with this. And I did it with this because, like, I just, I really didn't want to stop. I wanted to keep kind of, you know, poking into corners to see what was there and, you know, seeing if there were any side stories that I'd missed, any uh, objects that I could look further into. And I also, there is a uh, season pass for this game that I purchased because there's supposed to be more content and I'm not sure exactly when, um, but uh, I, I, I'm waiting. I'm here. As mm. soon as that drops, I'm, I'm oh, good. Yeah, I'm, uh, just, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I own, I bought a season pass and got literally nothing mm. for it. 
Like that's how excited yeah. I was about this game. Yeah, like like I was like like hey, would you like more of my money, please? Yeah, here you go. Like yeah, I just, no, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I there was a, a, a PS4 exclusive. Uh, I don't remember whether it was a I think it was an extra quest or an extra uh, side mission or something uh, that you got immediately upon buying the season pass, which uh, I would have bought it anyway. Right. But uh, and I'm not I'm not really a person who goes back for DLCs very often, but I will for this game. Like as soon as that comes up, I will be there because I I want to go back in, uh, yeah, and I think it same. is an extremely cool setting. And I yeah I. As someone who is very into things like the X Files and like Twin Peaks and you know just that that whole thing, uh, for for lack of a better word, I guess uh, this this game really got got to me in a good way. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so for for me, um, I didn't so much follow it through its development. I was aware of it being built. Um, I kept hearing things that didn't interest me such as I mean, they interested me but not interested me in terms of the games design was the RTX pushing on PC and mm-hmm. you know the technical aspects of it I'm a huge fan of Remedy's games I love the darkness to their stories the fact mm-hmm. that Max Payne 1 and Max Payne 2 have a real dark noir heart to them the Absolutely. fact that um, Alan Wake has this crazy off the wall yet wonderful X-Files style back end um blended with you know twin peaks exactly as leah said they're like they are perfect grounding for how remedy write and develop their games and then even quantum break has elements where it really nails that so when the game came out i decided you know what i actually do need this right now i had a strange opening in my game window that i thought I've got a week to two weeks that I can really just focus on one game and it might be control. But I knew very little of it going in. And from the moment that you enter the FBC and you realise exactly what scale the oldest house has on that world and you interact with the, you know, the cleaner and you go and you pick up the gun and kind of that world really envelops you and you get the side quests. And I was like, well, I want to do all these because I love this story. And then the fact that you start hearing more stories and then you start getting references of Thomas Zane and clickers and yeah, all these things, yeah. you're like, oh my, like, <laughs> this is remedy. Like, th- this is like everything's come together and you start piecing it together. You go, this is what happens when you take the concept and story of things like Alan Wake and combine it with the combat and strategy elements that they brought in with quantum break and they've merged them to create something where it works so i went back to quantum break which is a game i never actually finished for multiple reasons primarily that i started it on pc and my pc has problems now um and now that i've got an xbox one x i thought well i'll actually start playing it through there and one thing i didn't notice the first time going through quantum break was that it really throws the abilities and powers at you so quick that in the heat of battle you forget that you've got them control delivers them in a much better manner that you get to grips with your abilities before it adds one more and it keeps adding these layers on in a manner that you actually feel always in control and not trying to recall what you need to do in certain situations. Um, And you Mm -hmm. can kind of develop them through skill trees. And these are all the kind of game structures that I feel really comfortable with in playing. And by the end, you'd get to battles and stuff and you'd be you'd be in, in control of that entire battle. Like, you would never feel flustered because you knew everything that you could do. I'm a sucker for a game where you can actually play it with one weapon if you wanted to. So you can actually use your gun and, and focus on different structures, but if you wanted to, you can actually focus on your favourite way of playing, which relates to, you know, quintessential great core games design that 
you never feel like you need to alter what you're comfortable with for the benefit of, you know, that quote unquote difficulty that a game puts uh, on top of you. So throughout it all and the exploration of a open closed world, um, being that you are in the constraints of the oldest house, which really doesn't have any constraints, it plays such a huge character in the game because there's, there's so much story that it delivers at you. There's probably a ridiculous number of collectibles that add further depth to the story of the things that are happening, the characters in it, particularly Jesse, uh, Dylan's story, and then the main arc of side characters. Bar the one that leads the forces, who I'd probably hazard to guess is probably going to be behind one of the DLCs, are all super interesting and start to be fleshed out the more you have conversations with them. And then you get the story told in the remedy way through videos, through presentations, through radio and through audio recordings, which is something that they've done all the way from, certainly from Alan Wake and in certain elements in Max Payne, which I am an absolute sucker for story being delivered in those manners. So I'd sit there and take in every aspect of this, and that's without factoring in the combat, which for the most part is fun. And, and the only criticism that I could really level towards something like Control would be that I wish it was braver in leaving certain areas that you'd cleared up to stay clear because actually navigating the oldest house, for me, at least as entertaining as being in the combat and actually being able to observe the craft of which that world has been designed because there is a level of detail in there that actually tells a story in your environment. Just all too often you don't get to actually see it because it keeps throwing in new waves of enemies. And there were times where I wish that that could have been alleviated or removed. Um, but other than that, I thought it was um, a stunning game. And for me personally, is uh, comfortably in my top two of the year. The thing that I will leave us with uh, from Control is that if the uh, Ashtray Maze does not get best moment or sequence are, yeah, in, are you uh, out of your mind? That is a crime. <laughs> there's not a time I can remember, again, not trying to speak hyperbolically, my, I was grinning like a, an absolute mark, ear to ear, just <laughs> like, like this is like the most fun I've ever had. This is ridiculous. It's over the top. It, it was such a perfect sequence at the perfect part of the game. Like, it, oh man, it just yeah. good creative direction that game has. Ah, that was great. Oh, yeah. At the end of it, she takes her headphones out and says something like, oh, that was awesome. Or like, <laughs> exactly. And that's yeah. basically what I said. Exactly. So, like, like, that yeah. music, it, and it is blaring, and it is in your face. And there's, there's a little story about Control. So um, when that came out, my best friend um, had recently been to his wedding. He was on his honeymoon, um, and he was away enjoying a month in New Zealand. And I was texting him about Control. <laughs> so he he was looking out for it beforehand you know he was he he was looking for a new game to play he's, uh, he absolutely falls into that thing that he loves that kind of genre um and i was like oh so good this is you know oh i've just done this and i'm trying not to give spoilers whilst also yeah. talking in the way that we do in text messages completely hyperbolically hyperbolically and it, like i'm just getting carried away and like the last week he keeps messaging me he goes i kind of just want this to be over i want to come home and play me game and like he sent me a picture of his order and then he um is he sent me a picture from his doorbell where it sh he showed you that he had arrived and he's like I don't even get home for 5 <laughs> days and it's waiting for me and then he'd been home you know he he had to all the all the uh, travel lag and everything that he was trying to deal with a day and a half later he goes have you been through the astromers yet and i've been playing it for like a week <laughs> and a half quite intensely and i'm like 
no, I, I, like, I know where it is, but nothing happens. And he's like, oh, just you wait. And he finished it in like two <laughs> days, despite the fact that he'd travelled the whole other side of the world. So he, he was absolutely in love with it. And all he kept messaging me was, get to the ashtray maze, get to the ashtray maze. So, yeah, that is quite a moment in that game. For sure. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I, comfortably, I think we can say that Control is uh, is an A-plus from, from many of us. Speaking of uh, developers that we like, I like the um, the developers of Until Dawn, who this mm-hmm. year put out the Dark Pictures Man of Madon, which is supposed to be, uh, from what I understand, the first in a new series of games um, that... Uh, will all kind of fall under this dark yeah. pictures uh, label and will all be uh, slightly shorter experiences than Until Dawn was. So yeah, the dark pictures is uh, from Supermassive who uh, put out the I feel wonderful uh, Until Dawn um, some years ago and then uh, now are uh, in the midst of this series of uh, of new kind of slightly shorter horror experiences uh but they're along the same lines uh as um as the until dawn formula in that you control a cast of characters and it's primarily kind of quick time events and decision making uh that lead to multiple different endings uh so i played this uh, in its entirety during the same um uh extra life stream that uh we used to um uh, well, that I use rather to uh, finish off uh, Bloodstained a little earlier this year. And uh, what's nice about the Dark Pictures series, or at least this one uh, now, is that it comes with a built-in co-op mode. This is something that Until Dawn didn't have, but I know that a lot of people, myself included, played Until Dawn uh, kind of as a co-op game already, whether yeah. it be with uh, passing off the controller or whether it be from, uh, you know, just discussing choices with somebody else or or what have you uh here it is actually built into where you can assign characters to one player or the other so it gives you a moment kind of in between when you switch characters it will say okay well it's this person's turn now because you're going to play this character uh so that can go great or it can go not so great in that one person can maybe get most of their characters killed off it who could say who can say? Um, but yes, I did play this uh, in its entirety in one sitting, which I, I recommend if you can. Um, it was extremely unsettling when we played it very late uh, on uh, Friday or Saturday or whichever day that it was uh, that we were doing this in the uh, the wee hours. Um, so uh, yeah, some some real jump scares uh, in there that I found to be extremely effective. Uh, and as I say, I liked Until Dawn a great deal. And this is also... Uh, kind of that type of maybe not 100% serious horror. It's a little bit um, schlocky, I guess, would be a word for it. Um, But for me, I found it to be effective. So, yeah, that's that's my experience with The Dark Pictures Man of Madon is uh, I played it through once and liked it quite a bit. So I recently picked this up um, in a sale. I did want to pick it up at launch. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't because... I picked up control, <laughs> and uh, it was one or the other. And but it is one that I'd look forward to a lot. Like yourself, Leah, I was a, a big fan of Until Dawn. I really enjoyed that. I actually played through that in Couch Court with Tony from the podcast. Yeah, um, and we had a, we had a great time doing it. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, the only thing I it, it did fall in that kind of uncanny valley, which 
at times is good and at other times is more off-putting than not. And mm. when it came to Man and Madan, it almost is less Uncanny Valley because it doesn't seem to have that same level of polish that Until Dawn does. So that it, it seems a little bit ropier. It seems a little bit less um, fleshed out in terms, of, in terms of what they were trying. Um, but there's definitely a level of intrigue there that, that makes me want to go back and play it more than I already have, which, in fairness, is not a lot. It's not super long. I think our playthrough was no, maybe five hours. Um, and I've only played about an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, I do have positive things. I do think there is a room for a studio to develop these kinds of games. As I said, Until Dawn, I was a sucker for that, and I, I have gone back to that multiple times. Yeah. So I think I think Man of Medan or at least the dark pictures, which I am intending to, and I have started advertising the next one, which is um, good to see, uh, will be a series that I'll probably play through in short bursts and then return to after a period of time rather than go through and rinse over and over for all the achievements. Yeah, and I think it it lends itself pretty well to that, uh, especially, I mean, they are billing it as an anthology, so it's not a you have to have played this one if you're going to play the next one. It's it's more of a American horror story type of thing where, you know, you might see some of the same people in there and maybe they're connected in some way, but it's different stories. Are they attempting to do the Until Dawn, like, ooh, there's a celebrity in this again? Or are they kind of more going for just making sort of unknown characters or voice actor driven characters? Um, I, I don't think they made as big a deal of it, but um, who is it? Sean Ashmore that's in this one? Or am I thinking of something else? I'm going to look that Mr. Quantum up. Break himself? He's in, he's in everything <laughs> Mr. Quantum else. Break himself, yes. I, I believe so. I think, yeah, he is in this. Yeah, he's the, I don't remember the character's name, the annoying one. Iceman. <laughs> yes, that guy. Yeah, that's, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I mean, th- there are there are actors in this, Got you it. know, but uh, it, it's it's um, maybe not as... Peter Stormare is not in this game, sadly. Um, but I um, also the guy who um, I, I I'm going to have to look this up. Uh, the actor who plays the kind of narrator, I think, is somebody who is actually going to carry over. Uh, that's kind of how they yes. seem like they were building it. And he was he looked familiar, and I don't remember the actor's name. Um, but I'm looking it up now. Give me one sec here. Yeah, he was familiar, but I intentionally didn't look him up because yeah. I didn't want to be so distracted <laughs> into thinking he was in, from something else. But he does seem like he's going to be the common thread as the guy who is the curator in a library of stories that is reading them to you, but that can change dynamically based upon your decisions, etc. But yeah, I'm a, I was a, a sucker for adventure books when I was a kid, and I'm kind of a sucker for these games now. So um, yeah, I'm absolutely all up for the Dark Pictures series. I really liked Until Dawn. I haven't played a minute of Man of Medan. Um, do, do you think this anthology kind of setup is going to work for these games? Is it too early to tell? Did you like the kind of piecemeal f- feel of this one? How did you guys feel about that? I felt that it was self-contained enough that it it worked on its own. So, I mean, I I guess you can't really tell until they release a second one whether it's going to hold out. But I I, I think that if they are of a similar quality and, you know, they don't have to be connected together in order to... There is kind of a... um, sort of preview after you finish the game for the next one. And I mean, if it, if it continues along that story and they can kind of keep up the anthology type, I, it's something that we haven't seen very often. So I, I think that it has the potential to work quite well. I hope so. It's, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, I'm really interested in it. After hearing uh, both of you talk about it, it's definitely, I'm going to pick it up as soon as I can, can get it for a decent price. Sounds pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Pip Torrens is the name of the curator. I don't really recognize any of the things that he's been in per se, but like, I, I think you probably recognize him. <laughs> like, just yeah. he's one of those kinds of actors that like you've seen him in a bunch of places, but maybe not as you know 
prominently as, as some other actors. But yes, yeah, and I, think I, it, I think it's also the fact that it isn't releasing for a full price game is, is yeah, it was, quite advantageous as well. I think it's twenty. I think it's twenty five quid um, here, and it was recently sixteen pounds fifty in the in the Black Friday sale. Mm-hmm. So I would expect probably the end of year sale will also have it at discounted prices. Yeah. Leo, what is that in real money? I think it was about forty dollars. Okay, thank you. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> Um, real money real money honestly not that monopoly money it's all the same size that's the perfect american <laughs> viewpoint though isn't it it's to say something like that i was trying to be yeah. i was trying to be the stereotypical american when i said that we should underscore <laughs> when we say football football yes <laughs> foot air quotes ball um so um speaking of games with a heavily american viewpoint untitled goose game (laughs) is a game where you play as a total jerk (laughs) you you do i love untitled goose game very much this is another game that i did not really think that i was going to be super into because i heard that there was a lot of stealth involved and there kind of is but also you're this goose who can just flap his wings and honk at people and just in general be a great big jerk and i love it did anybody else play untitled i did yeah i beat i beat the uh I, I goose it up as far as I could goose, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the worst goose, yeah. and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Untitled Goose Game, basically the premise behind it is you're this goose, uh, and you are seeking out uh, a golden bell, which is something that you have set your eye on for unknown reasons. <laughs> and the, reason, the, the way that you get to this bell is by causing havoc in this uh, small town uh, full of... Uh, people who probably don't deserve to uh, have their things thrown in water or stolen or yes. Seemingly well-meaning people. It it seems they're well-meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's entertaining. Uh, You can pick up and move pretty much anything in the, uh, in the environment to cause differing reactions from the people that you're trying to distract. Um, You get a list of uh, objectives in each area that you have to complete at least most of. I don't think you always have to complete all of them, but uh, you uh, it's things like uh, you have to get the gardener to take off his hat is one of the very early ones and you can't reach his hat. So you can't just grab it off his head. So you have to figure out a way to make him take his hat off by causing a, a chain reaction of other things in the environment which uh like i said i wasn't sure how well i was i i loved the uh the concept of uh just having only your honk and your um and your flapping yeah. wings to uh to guide you but i wasn't sure how much i was going to actually like the gameplay but it turned out that as a uh, as a puzzle game i actually really enjoyed it yeah yeah it's really it's neat i i'm i am a huge sucker for a game that says like this is completely unlike anything you've ever played before and mm-hmm. and that and that's definitely the elevator pitch for this game is wholly unique um i was actually shocked by how like pervasive it kind of became like throughout like th- mm-hmm. i mean like i had i had a couple cousins of mine ask me about the goose game and like the only game they had asked me about before yeah. is Fortnite because i'm the video game cousin you know what i mean so yeah they're like it kind of pervaded like the mainstream culture in a way like uh that was pretty interesting i thought as far as the game goes i agree with you leah it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting puzzler some people were kind of uh like explaining it kind of making it like hitman but as a goose and i think that's that's a fairly apt description uh the way i described it to my wife was like you know it it felt kind of like a tony hawk game just without the time limit on each level you know you have this list of objectives and you gotta as soon as you check them off you open up the next uh area and 
the thing about it, and I, this has been talked to to death, but that goose is so well animated. Like the wobble, <laughs> he really like is. When you it's crazy. Get, you don't even gain that much momentum, but the goose just getting up to speed is just like one of those satisfying things where the goose. I'm not sure if it's a male or female goose. Like, like leans its head down and kind of shakes its backside and just kind of winds up, and it just like it's just a blast to walk around that world. It's really, it's a ple- it's pleasantly designed. Its art design is very upbeat and colorful and shiny and 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 you you always feel you're kind of like a like a like a wholesome troublemaker like you're not really ruining anybody's lives you're just making that particular 10 minute period of time yes (laughs) yeah no i i loved it all the way through i i actually played this game in two sittings and because it's it's about what i did about three maybe four hours depending um yeah depending on how much stuff you do you can also there's optional objectives that you can also do um there's depending on how you go about things yeah it's it's I I really enjoy this goose. Also, if, uh, if you're a fan of memes, goose. man, there are some good goose memes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's very funny. It also it also um it nails the ending in a way that a lot of games don't. The yeah. end of that game, the end of Untitled Goose Game, is a great moment in video games this year. Like it just it just it made me it made me laugh out loud like raucously when I realized kind of what was happening. And uh, yeah, it just um yeah just just what a pleasant, cool, unique thing that I hope that this developer made enough money and search seems like they did to do something else just off the wall unique and fun uh the next time around i was excited about this game since it, it kind of was announced because it's uh, working in collaboration with the the company panic or or is it developed by panic as well i think it was developed by house house and they're they're a sort of longtime Mac developer, so Mac fans know about Panic as like an, a Mac software company, and they've made their foray into video Firewatch. games with this and Firewatch. I I got to, I think I'm one sitting into my two sittings or whatever, so I haven't made somebody buy their own stuff yet. I think is the thing that I, I have to do next. <laughs> but I played it, and it I also played it with uh, my wife and my friend and his son around, and it is a game that. Just from the moment you start walking as the goose, it's funny. Every little animation and sound and thing that you do in the game, it's a real joy to watch somebody else play as well as play yourself. So I think it it works on so many levels. Yeah, agree. Also, uh, if <laughs> if you uh, enjoyed Untitled Goose Game, um, what I will recommend, this made me laugh so hard, I almost cried. Um, look up, there's, it's probably on Twitter if you search for it. Uh, there is a clip that somebody has done of uh, Austin Walker from Waypoint honking as the goose and it is the oh, funny yeah you retweeted that i remember laughing my ass off at that yeah that was awesome yes it's very funny i i i laughed until i thought i was gonna cry so um yeah that uh untitled goose game is very good time and uh good clean wholesome fun um i've, I've heard kids love it too so uh yeah all all the family it made my two and a half year old laugh pretty hard so <laughs> so a a plus from this household you guys, I Excellent. think video games might actually be enjoyable for kids, too. I don't believe it. Nah. I don't believe it. <laughs> Boo. No. <laughs> I think maybe some of them. I'm not sure that kids would love The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening as much as Untitled Goose Game, perhaps. But I cannot speak to that directly because I haven't actually 
actually played the remake yet. I know that that's horrible and that my tattoo might be revoked, but <laughs> no, you're oh, good. I, I have played. Yeah. <laughs> I have played the original Link's Awakening. I have not played the remake yet. I have it. It is sitting next to my Switch, um, and probably once I get through Death Stranding, I'm going to need something that is not making my brain explode. So um, it's on my list. High, high, uh, high importance, uh, but not yet. Uh, so who has played, uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Switch? I have. Am I the so only one? I? Okay. No. Go ahead, Ryan. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about my buddy Link. He keeps coming back and this time <laughs> uh, in a new old adventure called Link's Awakening. So, so what? This is the Game Boy and Game Boy Advanced game redone once more but i think this time like from the moment the game starts i thought it was very well reimagined the graphics in this are beautiful they're a little hitchy we could possibly talk about that and i the soundtrack was also a real delight it it, it was almost i hate to say that it, the soundtrack could become grading because it does do that game boy and super nintendo thing that doesn't really get done anymore which is it's a little ditty it's repeated over and over and over again at nauseum and if you are ever stuck Lots of loops or frustrated you are like will this music just shut up i <laughs> know i agree completely <laughs> um, but otherwise i think it is a really beautiful uh version of that game and if you haven't played it yet it it's wonderful. I think the puzzles get simplistic. This is the old style Zelda game. Now, now I guess we have a canonical fork in Zelda style games, right? Which is, this is a, there's a world, there's dungeons in it. You have to do the dungeons in order and kind of progress through the game in a linear way. Not like your new Breath of the Wild style games. I think the dungeons and many parts of the game feel, have that same Crackdown 3 effect we talked about a little bit, which is like... Ooh, this is a little simplistic. You can tell, you can feel the, in the puzzle design, the limitations of the Game Boy a little bit. And I, the nag screens of every time you pick up a power up, uh, making yeah. you read what the power up does. See, that seems to me like something they would have considered and maybe thoughtfully changed. But I guess if you're really doing a remake, like you, you yeah. have to decide, I guess, pretty early, like how faithful are we going to be? You know, so it's, it's probably one of those things that there were a lot of discussions with a lot of people in a lot of rooms that led to leaving that stuff in. But it did feel make it feel like not a modern game, which technically it isn't, but it also is. It's kind of it straddles that fence you know right any year that had the resident evil 2 right like, I, mm, yeah it, it just seems like a tough ask even for a game that i did like a whole lot when i played it on the the game boy but also that's a game boy game and this is a switch game and i would have liked to see maybe a little bit more and I, i'm reserving judgment because i as i say i haven't played it yet but um yeah i don't know just some of the complaints that i have heard are odd for a first party nintendo yeah. title the hitchiness that ryan was talking about was there it didn't it didn't bother me that much as, as other people i think um I wouldn't call it unnoticeable because it is there. It never hampered my enjoyment of the game at all. Um, what mm. hampered my enjoyment of the game is, I think, and Ryan already touched on it a little bit. I did not play this game originally. Like I, I didn't have a Game Boy when I was a kid, so I had I had heard a lot about Link's Awakening, singing the praises of Link's Awakening, and and when I finished it, I I really did enjoy my time with it. But it did feel like an old Zelda game, and I'm not saying not mm. even compared to. to Breath of the Wild, but like compared to even to um, Link to the Past or yeah. Link Between Worlds, which is like taking that formula and just improving on it. You know, I, I found it difficult to come back. By the time I was finishing Link's Awakening, I was very ready to be done with it. But 
I do think a big part of that is that I did not have nostalgia for the original. So, so if they were to if they were to remake Ocarina of Time, change absolutely nothing, all of the Navi annoying bugs, all the everything, but just make it an HD version of that game, I would come away from that game being like, this is the best game of all time because I have that like real. <laughs> like a lot of people yes, would. Yes, exactly. Because I have that real. Like I, I also have a Zelda tattoo. Like I mean, like I, that's it's a big deal to me. This game. I mean, per- it, didn't they already do that on the three? Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually oh man it's not quite the same level of remake right exactly it's, it, it's it's more of a I like a re, you know the Resident Evil 4 HD editions mm. it's more like yeah. that for Zelda than it is like a Resident Evil 2 yeah. to Resident like, Evil it's 2. the same amount of polygons but boy aren't these polygons shiny like that's basically yes. how it is <laughs> hey, yeah they're beautiful yes, polygons. They um, but uh Link's Awakening I I can't say enough about the the look of this game Ryan mentioned it yeah. the soundtrack of this game like like that, that fresh cone of paint, like, like making him like, like almost, you could say almost that plasticky toy look to everything. It pervades the entire world and it just feels uniform and cool and satisfying to the point. Yeah, I really where, like the art style. Yeah, you, when you're just standing and the, that grass is waving and the trees are waving, but it almost looks kind of like a diorama. Like, cause I mean, that's how the camera set up, but like, it really mm-hmm. looks like they could be plastic figurines. Like it, it's, it's really neat. I just think that the, the product as a whole did not catch with me. And it's probably because I didn't have an affinity for the original. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I I just think that, like, because I did play the original, I remembered it poorly, it turns out, by the end of this new one. (laughs) But, yeah, the I don't know if there's just, by nature of being a Game Boy game, it is a game with limitations and concessions made from what would have been the marquee Super Nintendo game at the time, Hmm. like uh, Link to the Past. And I think Link to the Past... If they did this exact same thing, the same treatment to Link to the Past, it would definitely age better just because it wasn't so constrained in terms of what's on screen at a time and the puzzle design is a little bit more intricate because you had more fidelity to work with. You know, speaking of this, we haven't really talked about it, but one of the marquee features of this game is making your own Zelda dungeons, which I found sort of joyless. I have not heard anybody say a good thing about that particular. I, I like the idea in theory, but like, again, that, that just it didn't it added zero value. And after the after you kind of walk through those, they kind of make you do these tutorial versions of that. You do like two oh, uh, if you walk in the room, basically, yeah. you do like two or three of them. And then afterwards, I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm like, I, I see what this. you're. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same way. But I, yeah, this is this is all to say I sound very critical on something that I played beat and and did enjoy like like you said this is nintendo in many ways aesthetically hitting stride with the unreal engine and what switch can do it's a great looking switch game performance issues aside um which could just be cleaned up by you know a little bit more hardware or whatever i think it's i think it was a good game cool it's a very cute amiibo Oh, yes. oh yeah me too yeah, yeah, <laughs> all right very cool cute. uh another mario mario uh, i'm losing it uh another nintendo title this year uh mario kart tour yeah so mario kart i guess has never been on a mobile platform before is that correct of course mobile platform i'm not Speaking of the DS, it's it never been on a phone. Really, it's it's never been on a phone. Yes, <laughs> I don't. I don't think like that. That actually seems kind of odd. Um, but uh, yeah, so Mario Kart Tour came out in September. It is Mario Kart on phones. Uh, it is free to play. It has a lot of microtransactions. Uh, I've played 
some of it. I played it for about a week after it launched and then kind of lost interest in it. It's still on my phone. Uh, but yeah, I haven't really done much since the launch. Um, I, I, I'm not the biggest mobile game player. My phone is old. It's it's tired. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, this this played fine. It, it plays fine on my phone, um, but it's not my preferred platform generally, uh, unless it's something that, you know, can only be played on phones as this can. So um, anybody else playing playing or played Mario Kart Tour? And uh, what do you think? Oh, yeah, no, I, didn't, I didn't oh. play it. Okay. You know, Mario Kart Tour is something I should have been uh, a player of because I I actually enjoyed the Mario Run game that Nintendo put out. Yeah. Now, see, I didn't play Mario Run, so I mean, I I would guess that this is kind of on a level with that. Um, like in the in the sense that if you liked it, you would probably you know at least benefit from giving it a shot. Now, did, now was is Mario World Tour free to play? Yeah. Okay, because Mario is. Run, you you can only play the oh, first level. Right. Yeah, and then it was ten dollars yeah. for the whole thing. Yeah, which I was fine with, but everybody else was yeah, like, Yeah, me no too, thanks. yeah. Yeah. I, I liked Mario Run, yeah, I did. I liked it too. Yeah, so for Mario Kart Tour, I only got through, I, I mean, you unlock, like, the cups as you go, uh, and I'm sure that there is a way to unlock more cups and more drivers and more everything. Uh, I didn't actually get into any of the, I, I just wasn't playing it for long enough. Um, I, I know some people did have uh, some issues with the touch controls. I thought they were fine. Um, it's not a... It's not a uh, standard Mario Kart scheme, but then neither is the um, Wii controllers, which um, allowed me to get myself soundly thwomped by Elaine's kids at Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, They were playing Mario Kart Wii and they said, hey, play this with us and handed me a controller and it was motion controls and I got wrecked. So um, and you kept spamming. I'm using motion controls. I'm using motion controls. <laughs> yeah, I, I should oh, have. Oh, that trigger they, that they scratches know. a weird part of my brain. You saying that? That's funny. That's really funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the controls, the the touch controls were. Uh, they took a little bit of getting used to, but I thought that they were fine. I don't know how popular this has been because I haven't really heard a whole lot about it. But um, I, it's 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 fine. I, I don't have great things to say about it, but I don't have damning things to say about it Let either. Let me ask so. you this because it's been a a little bit of a thread now sure. for this entire. Uh, session is how's the monetization because everything i heard is that the monetization is pretty aggressive in this it is yeah now like i said i didn't i didn't actually engage with any of that really but i do know that you can um you can unlock things more easily you can uh there there are um currents i don't recall whether i think there's two different currencies that you can you know purchase at least one of uh to unlock more drivers you you get some things for free but you obviously don't i I think this is pretty standard you don't actually have a whole lot of control over which things you unlock it's all kind of a grab bag uh unless you're paying for it and even then i'm not sure how much control you get over it because i didn't do that um but yeah you fire off your little your little pipe and (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's yeah, so funny uh-huh. to see That's Nintendo right. monetize these mobile games because, like, Mario is one of the few franchises that has a memorable currency as like a main <laughs> thing in it in coins, right? Yeah, red, purple, you know, regular old gold coins. Yet, for some reason, all these games end up with gems or crazy bucks. Yeah, there's rubies, I think. Rubies, I think it's the one that you can buy. You already had Mario. Uh, Just make it coins. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that, yeah. I I can't tell you why they did that, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's, like I said, I... I had an okay time with it, but I am not exactly the target audience, um, nor am I really the uh, the hardcore player of Mario Kart that I could be, I suppose. 
Although maybe not, given my recent performance <laughs> against an eight-year-old. Um, <laughs> you know, it happens. That's okay. So moving on from a mobile game to a huge franchise, Modern Warfare. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out this year. No, not that Call of Duty Modern Warfare. A different Call of Duty Modern Warfare that I don't think has anything to do with the previous Call of Duty Modern Warfare. This is not a remake, correct? It's just no, another... That's like a reboot. Kind of one with the same. It's a, yeah, it's a reboot. Okay. So I I haven't played this. I I want to eventually. Um, but I am one of those weirdos who plays Call of Duty for the campaign, and I'm not willing to pay sixty dollars for it. So I'm it. waiting until it comes to Redbox. Um, which uh, we'll see. But um, so Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, why is it different from the other Call of Duty Modern Warfare? Um, it has less in it out of the box. All right. Well, it's <laughs> so, but, so you know, it's uh, it has a campaign and a multiplayer, and it doesn't have uh, the battle royale or the zombies, um, which is obviously incredibly disappointing as zombies has been quite a big deal for a while. Um, and blackout was my favorite thing about Call of Duty before this one. That said, I picked it up because. Um, I generally buy all the Call of Duty games and I was intrigued by the story, the fact that they seem to be taking it intentional and obviously Black Ops 4 didn't have a campaign at all. Um, also, everything that I'd heard from people playing the beta, which I refused to play, wanted to go and um, actually you know, invest some time into a multiplayer blind that seemed to be taking itself seriously. And whilst I did enjoy the Blackout um, multiplayer as well as the World War II multiplayer um the one thing I was really missing was kind of the, the the running across walls that everyone seemed to hate from Black Black Ops 3. So I thought, well, if, if they're doing a boots on the ground and a full reboot of the franchise and a new engine that looks absolutely incredible from the, the, the ground up, then this might be the one for me. I don't really like the multiplayer in this one, if I'm being perfectly oh, honest really? with you. Um, you're not a huge fan of it. I don't like the bland nature of the realistic look that it's gone for. So uh, I do follow the Call of Duty subreddits um, and I know that the brightly colored guns and all this, you know, crazy uh, designs and stuff don't necessarily go down massively with most of the community. Um, I am the exception to that. I actually prefer it. I think it adds a bit of levity to it all. I don't I think the multiplayer came out incredibly unbalanced, so uh, particularly to do with the shotgun. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I heard something about that on uh, Giant Beast Cast, maybe, and didn't they say that it maybe got rebalanced at some point? It's I don't been know how balanced, much, but, but it's so still not great. They rebalanced it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they rebalanced it, and it's, it's still enough. the best gun in gotcha. the game. And then I think they rebalanced it again, and it's still the best gun in the game. So there's there's something not quite right there. Some of the multiplayer maps are good, but none of them are spectacular. Um, I think there's an unbalance in modes, and then obviously a data mine. Oh, data mine has showed that there is apparently a lot of stuff coming, potentially an up to 200 player uh, battle royale, all these new maps and modes and stuff. And I think that that's great to see that that support's there and that it's going to be for free. However, where Modern Warfare has stood out for me is I thought that the campaign was actually really, really good. It was incredibly strong, and it's up there with Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare as one of the strongest in the Call of Duty franchise. Um, it, it features some great set pieces, which is probably the thing that, that has attracted people to the Call of Duty franchises over time, um, particularly the night vision yeah. levels for me uh, set a kind of a new standard for, for how you do that. They're unbelievable. They're, I mean, and, and I, I don't mean that just from a, from a gameplay perspective. Like, they're visually unbelievable. The 
that this oh, is yeah. I mean, and it, you can't say best looking. I mean, every time you see the best looking game of all time, there's a game that comes out the next month that blows it out of the water. It's just this game is visually it, it makes you it, 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 it it's literally awesome. It, it puts you sets you back on your heels and you're not believing that you're controlling this. So the, the night vision level specifically, there's yeah. a one where I think uh, J- um, Carl and I are talking about the exact same level where you're raiding a house. You're kind of looking for these terrorist suspects and it, it just it feels so real. My first time through that level, I had I mean, like literal goosebumps, no joking around like it just yeah. it just blew my mind how realistic this felt both on a positive and a negative to where you're like, you feel like your decisions have weight and every bullet is like really matters. And it's just like, it it puts the weight of like actual military conflict on your shoulders, which doesn't make you feel good, which I think is also a good thing. Does that make sense? Like, like Mm -hmm. like, it should feel weighty. Um, It should feel like, like like this is this matters we need to do this the right way to absolutely um to 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 reduce the loss of life in the absolute way possible so in that way i agree with you car i think that it shines in its campaign in that way i do think though yeah. um and i do think the campaign is kind of a roller coaster of tone um i think that level and their other level in particular that are very very well done this game also does have a level where you can control a torture scene and you play as a child Oof. watching its parents be watching its excuse me its its father be murdered by insurgents and oh I do think tonally this game is shocking to me in some ways and I don't think it's particularly well balanced and doesn't always handle it with the it amount of it. grace and care that it deserves. I do think that that's a fair point, and um, what's important to say is that touch scene. You do actually get the option to not. You do absolutely, yep. And I and I played it both ways because I and for for two different reasons. One because I'm I'm writing a relatively lengthy piece about it that um, hopefully we'll see on the Canaan's blog at some point if I ever finish writing anything ever. But yeah, it it does give you the option to back out and to not to cross that line. So I do give it that credit, but it also does you know it it plays in that zone. I don't think it gains anything by having it. Correct. Yeah. That's that's kind of where I land on a lot of this is that Modern Warfare puts in a lot or not even just Modern Warfare, Call of Duty in general puts in a lot of sequences and a lot of moments that that are really I don't want to say controversial because like is it really controversy if you're if that's what you want like I I not yeah. I have difficulty with Call of Duty games distinguishing what they're putting in there to actually say something and what they're putting in there because it's going to make people talk about it right. and the earliest example I can think of that is the no Russian level like you didn't have to play that either but you know it was there yeah. so people could say oh hey look at this crazy horrible thing that is in there i've heard some things about like some of the content in this game uh and the one that really comes to mind is that there are war crimes in there that are being attributed to the russians who that are actually war crimes that were committed by, by americans so like that's I, I, and this is really not the I, the time or the place to you know go into that hardcore. Right. Yeah. But it is it is kind of unnerving to me and a little bit you know uncomfortable to me that I don't really know why they're putting these things yeah. in there. And you it's know? it's problematic, especially in this era too, where there when we mentioned it before. I think Ryan mentioned it before. Like like 
are games political or not? Well, of course they are. But well, but, according to Bobby Kotick, right. no, they don't have anything I mean, to say. Of, of course they are, but but big companies will never say they are because they feel the bottom sure. line. But yeah. the people. But how do you put something like that in right. a game and then say, oh, it's not and political? The people, I, and the people that make these games are human beings with political views yeah. that that sure. their product represents the company, but they don't represent. You know what I mean? It, there's a ton yeah. of layers. But I, the one thing, Activision in general, yes. I think is. They fumble that. They fumble that a 100%. lot. Is is what I will say. And 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 the thing that I was talking about before that I'm that I'm working on is very critical of that. But mm-hmm. I I can say and with relative certainty, at least with my experience, that this Call of Duty campaign is easily the best in a decade. You know, I mean, it's fantastic, but it also raises questions that I sure. think I'd be much more comfortable with the questions. If I felt like the game itself was taking that stand and saying, yeah, conflict's bad, war's bad. We, we, we need to really, we need <laughs> right. to really think about these things. And from that point of view, because there's one scene where it's the torture scene and the scene with the, with the daughter seeing the, uh, and the son seeing the father get murdered. But then in the next scene, and I'm not misquoting it all, Carl, please tell me if I'm not being fair. In the, in one of the next levels, there, uh, a terrorist leader gets, gets killed and two of the main characters of the game high five. I was going to say, do they, they fist they high bump? five? And then the <sighs> exact line is, I wish we could bring him back to life so we could kill him again. Like that's the exact one. Jeez, oh my God! And and I remember when yeah. that was said, I was like, "Press X to pay like, respects." Did I did I catch that right? Like that was that right? And it, and it's strange because, you know, you talk Oof. about the balance of a game. I'm sure we'll talk about this more in depth if we ever do cover the game on the main show. But the, the probably the thing that struck me the most is that the game says quite a lot, quite Absolutely. powerfully in the moment to moment gameplay, where it has a real impact on whether or not you die in that moment and checkpoint but when it actually comes to doing it in the cutscenes or as story arcs it almost goes too far the other way and glorifies the violence of it in a very um sort of hollywood woohoo team america let's you know we win kind of thing and and that is kind of where the campaign is a quote-unquote game but when you're actually progressing through a house in night vision and, and there's two night vision levels specifically that are absolutely yeah, incredible. Just... And the set pieces in other things where, you know, you, you fire in a sniper rifle in the wind, again, similar to Call of Duty 4, or that you're using light up flares to see a field of, of enemies come towards you that are just breathtaking to see. But when you're actually progressing through a house in night vision, you get that sense of claustrophobia about approaching it. You've got your headphones on, you can hear voices and people scrambling on the floors above you. And I'm playing on veteran difficulty where I can die. Yeah, me one too. Bullet. I the same way. And I know I can shoot through walls. I can shoot through doors. I can choose the angles. And the actual impact of progressing through that house to minimize the uh, threat to life of civilians, which you actually get awarded for at the end of levels. So it's not something that's necessarily promoted, but particularly in these levels where it's clearly families and some people are innocent and some people are not. It's incredibly impactful in a very, very good way that if they could keep that torn through, you'd have a sensational product. But all too often, it takes the story acts and the turns where you're a bit like, oh, well, okay, I, that, that kind of nullifies or minimizes the impact that was so strong with Absolutely. something else. But what I will say is when it does tell the stories and it gets to cutscenes, those cutscenes are breathtaking. They are, good. It's, and, it's, and it's, it's a tale. It's, it's a, it's, there's two stories there. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. The The campaign is problematic. The campaign is also unbelievably good. 
And it and it's both yeah. of those things at the same time. And I struggled with it the whole way through because I would have moments where I was literally edge of my seat. This is my game of the year with a, you know, no, no joking with a bullet. And then the next scene would come and I'd be like, are you kidding me right now? Mm. And and that's one of those things yeah. you, you it's it's going to affect and it's going to impact people in different ways. And I, I I just do wish if anything, I wish there was more of a stance taken. Because the gameplay itself, like Carl's saying, it it's unmatched in Call of Duty campaign for me. I it's 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 fantastic. It's yeah. it's just it's something that if you like video games, you should just see. It's an it's an achievement, but it's it's also got its issues. I well, I'm definitely I am definitely uh, intending to pick it up and uh, give the campaign at least a shot. I'm not much for multiplayer in those games because I just get wrecked, but um, I I do enjoy going through the storylines and seeing, you know, even if they do, especially if they do, I think raise a lot of questions. That's more interesting to me than, uh, you know, a game that's just, everything is good and yeah uh, absolutely we're we're the best eh, they're the worst you know yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's uh and that's also boring you know yeah Yeah, it it can be for sure all right well uh we're we're starting to wind up so uh speaking of games that are absolutely beautiful but have a lot to say that can often be problematic uh hey guys let's talk about death stranding welcome to the halfway point of this session (laughs) i don't know if it came through but i just opened another beer that was the prop that i had to go get fantastic Uh, um, i haven't played it's a new genre everybody it's a new genre it's It's strand strand gaming it's a social strand system don't even try to tell me that this is a walking simulator yeah it's a social strand game okay so let me let me start out by asking who has played death stranding so far i've got 40 hours into it and i am nowhere near the end wow Okay, so I've only got about 12, 10 to 12, and I am in the third chapter, which is where I'm told it, and I'm air quoting really heavily here, gets good. (laughs) Oh, right, this is the old Final Fantasy. You've got to play the first 20 hours, but after 20 hours, it gets good. What I will say is that I, the the 10 or 12 hours that I've put into it so far, I have enjoyed. Like, I don't think that I need it to, like, get good. This is just a thing that I have heard people saying is is that chapter three is where it really took off. Chapter three, not to get down. Not to drill down too much. That's where you get a lot of your abilities that just go throughout the rest of the game. Yeah. So like it, it really opens up in a way. I have I have successfully, I might add, avoided most of the spoilers for this game. Um, but there may be some early game spoilers here. So if you're trying to um, like me, avoid them. Um, yes. Uh, so we. OK. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll try. Well, I, uh, since I didn't play it, I. I guess I'll just kind of sit back and actively ask questions because I do find everything about this game <laughs> okay. like fascinating. It's crazy. It's a fa- it is, it's a fascinating game in all in every it, it way, is, positive sure, and negative. Yes. It's a fascinating oh, product. I'm not 100 percent sure even what I want to say about Death Stranding at this point, other than Neither that. Neither is Hideo Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, accurate. Um, so the basic thing about Death Stranding that you are doing is uh, delivering packages to people and establishments and settlements and uh and in doing so you are connecting together again a nation that was torn apart by a uh sort of unspecified at the point in the story that i am at uh disaster that happened called the the death stranding i i think right or is it just called the stranding as far as i know you're doing great okay yeah so uh 
that's that's the the main premise is that you are connecting uh and why it's you is something that is definitely a spoiler and that i will not uh i will not completely go into right now because i i would have been mad if that would have been taken yeah, but basically your your character um, is the person that's been kind of tasked for lack of a better term to yes to, to bring to bring all the settlements off the grid they got to be on the grid now and you're the person kind of getting them on the grid you are a courier who um who is kind of the one who can go do this. Um, so you are going to do this and you run into, um, there are large swaths of this game that are just walking across open terrain yep. and balancing what you have on your back while you're doing it. And I know that that has been a problem for a lot of people. Like people are like, what is this? Why am I just, why is this a walking simulator? Right. You know, I, I, I don't have a problem with it and I'm not sure whether that's, kind of a me thing i mean it is i i said before that it, this is a gorgeous game and it really yeah. is it is beautiful the landscapes are incredible um and it's just it is a true treat to see some of uh kind of the landscapes that you're going through yeah, they, they've really he's done a great job i say he because that's the, you, can, you can't separate this game from the personality sure. but uh the, the <laughs> yeah. team has done a great job but like really visually landmarking thing and having like like cones of sight to where you get to like a high spot and you'll turn you'll just have this great view and it's just like it mm. looks it's just pitch every every corner is pic, pic, picturesque excuse me and it just has a um has a real natural beauty to it, um, which is which is really yeah. pleasant to be in. And I and I don't think there's anything weird about what you said earlier. Lee. I I completely enjoy just walking from place to place, delivering packages. It's it's a uh, yeah. What I kind of likened it to, uh, and this is an interesting comparison to me because I mean they're not the same type of game nominally, but but in reality they kind of are. Um, is something like a a a, a truck simulator yeah. or a, even a flight simulator? Like you know, part of it is just the mechanics that it takes to, I mean, your what you have stacked on your back, what kind of things you have um, equipped. You know, I, I've I've gotten to a point where now I have like an an exoskeleton for my legs yeah. that like makes it easier to balance. And this is, these are not spoilers. Like eventually you get like these yeah. these like floating carriers. You get things that make it easier yeah, so for you, you to like do this, your job. You have this yeah. little crate behind you that floats above the ground that uh -huh. you can stack a bunch of stuff on, and it won't tip over. You know, like stuff like that. It's a it, it just gives yeah. you better tools to get from point A to point B without losing the stuff on your back. Right. And, and, you know, I, I think that, and you're, you know, you're finding your way around terrain that is difficult in some places. You can sometimes build structures that will help you get across a bridge or, you know, a, a tower that will let you see where you have to go. And you run into either people or uh, odd creatures that will also try and stop you from getting to where you need to go. So it's about dealing with them. And you're not the most effective fighter, at least not where I am right now. Um, I'm playing on an easier difficulty level because I just like punching some of those dudes in the face. <laughs> but um, you've probably heard about things like, oh, you can throw grenades of your own pee. And yes, you absolutely can do that. Or of your own blood, you know, and, and it's it's. It's weird. It's weird, yeah. but it's weird in a coherent way so far, mostly, kind the of. The story to where I've gotten, without spoiling anything, and I'm nowhere near the end, um, I'm in Chapter yeah. 5. I'm very close to Chapter 6, and I guess from what I was told is that basically from Chapter 5 on, I could just mainline story. I could finish the game in five hours if I wanted to, but I really don't want to. I kind of like going from place to place. Yeah. The gameplay doesn't really change from that. 
uh, as far as I'm, as far yeah. as I know, you might you get access to some vehicles, some other things that help it easier to traverse. I found a bike once, and then I got shot with yeah. a an electric grenade thing, and I left the bike because I was too busy running away, and I haven't seen another one since. Then. <laughs> ah, the perils of being oh, Sam well. Porter Bridges. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, that character name, yeah, um, boy. And we could get into naming conventions like there. This will eventually be a uh, a Kane and Rinse podcast. And as a newcomer, I have sat back and been like, I'll be in any show you want me to be on, sir. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'm I'm happy to be part of the team. When the Death Stranding podcast eventually comes up, I will fight oh, yeah. tooth and nail to be a part of that. I, yeah, no, I totally need I need to be on this show. This show needs to be part of my life. Yeah, we would do it as a service to try to boil it down into ten or fifteen minutes, but to, without all <laughs> external stuff notwithstanding, they it's such an odd game and an odd story that it both. It, it, the entire time it's the, the the narrative has been pushing me away like kind of like because i'm like what is going on mm-hmm. but then a cutscene's in is like well i gotta see what happens next like i like i mean like what i don't have i have yeah. no other yeah. option but to see this thing through and i think that's kind of the genius of the marketing of this game honestly like like it is essentially just a, a walking simulator where you're a fedex delivery person uh-huh. but the reason <laughs> i bought the game and i ended up buying it day one i bought into the hype because because i heard all the narrative and i heard every talk i'm like i just need to see for myself what this game is. Yeah. And I think depending yeah. on the type of person you are and how you play video games, it can be a very different thing for everybody. Like it's a, sure. it's a, it's got a lot of depth and nuance to it. But if you don't like the core mechanic of taking things from place to place, you're probably going to get bored relatively quickly. I happen to enjoy that. Well, I mean, that's what it boils down to, isn't it? As, as a video game, it kind of takes all those things you don't like in other games and makes them the central Absolutely. mechanic. I mean, I feel like if they, if they could pull Ashley from Resident Evil 4 and make it so you had to escort her everywhere. Well, I mean, you do have that baby strapped to your front. Um, well, that's it. Um, yeah, that's true. You just can't throw it in. The baby is less annoying, yes. Away. Like, as a game, it's unusual, and it's hard to describe it all in a window, and I... I it, it is something that really should be experienced. I mean, the, conceptually, it's a bit bizarre in that for kind of any British listeners, you're kind of like post-apocalyptic pat and that you don't really get to do anything outside of carrying parcels for a real long time. Um, it does have the usual bizarre list of characters that you would have in the Metal Gear games and... That, for me, is kind of where the intrigue lies. I need to know a little bit more about how utterly bizarre these things are in that when it ekes out those bits of stories, I'll be absolutely sold on it. I mean, I I don't love playing it, but I don't hate playing it, but I feel like I need to progress because I need to experience more of what's coming. And it's a very strange sensation to have when playing a game because I don't really love anything about it and I don't really hate anything about it, but I'm so intrigued to see what's coming next. Um, that I don't think I would get that experience from watching a playthrough, so I actually have to experience it myself by actually playing it. And yeah, it is a really unusual thing. And I mean, don't buy into the nonsense that it's a new genre. It's not like like that. It's ridiculous to state anything that the, like this is a new it genre. It's not Metal Gear. That's I think that's really what the takeaway here should have been. Yeah, it's it's not Metal Gear, and and you know, there the, the seems to be this understanding that. Hideo Kojima's only ever done Metal Gear. But that's that's what a lot of people, you know, that's what they know Kojima for if they know him for anything. And yeah. that's oh, a yeah. lot of what he has done for a long time. So, I mean, and you can see that in this. There's a lot of that. There's a codec. Oh, there, there is a lot of similarities. Sure. And yet the game is very much not Metal no, Gear. And, not. and I think what, one of the curiosities that I do find myself continuing to play it for is that I'm waiting to see that next little bit of Kojima genius that 
is across all his games. And as much as we criticize him for other things, um, all his games do undoubtedly have little elements of genius that you go, yeah, that's Kojima. That makes me smile. That makes me think that's quite clever. Um, and I'm kind of waiting for the next one of those whilst I'm playing this game. For me, the only way I can actually describe it, um, and I've used the term already, is that it's an experience to play the game. And, you know, most games aren't that, or certainly not this uh, form of it. So it's definitely a curiosity as I, I keep playing it. It, it. It's weird. I don't know where I sit with it yet, but I know I need to play more. I, I want to ask the group this because I feel like, for better or worse, one of the things that uh, Hideo Kojima really does do is use the medium that is video games. A lot of those little touches maybe that you've talked about, Carl, are are Kojima doing something that you had to do with a game? You couldn't do it with a movie. It wouldn't work as, you know, a screenplay or whatever. But because there's interaction and there's push and pull with the player, it becomes something else and something different and something that other things couldn't have. So that's all to say, from what I understand about this game, it would seem to me that the pain, quote unquote, or the the experience of having to trudge through walking from place to place and tripping on every little rock that is eventually alleviated by the social connections and building yourself and having other people aid you in that seems to be another one of those things that is uniquely expressible in a game. And maybe it's that painting that contrast between those two things that sort of make this an interesting work of art. I definitely think that's what he's aiming for. Yeah, because you when you when you go and do like one of the major missions uh, or quests, you know, you you kind of unlock an area. And once you have done that initial kind of trek, you can then see other people's stuff like you can see, you know, the structures at CNUs, the structures that they built, like you can see, you know, their towers and their ladders and their mailboxes or whatever. Um, but you have to go through the hard part first. So it, it's he is doling out those connections as a reward to make things easier as you go. And and he he's been from what I can tell pretty vocal about, you know, that's what this is. It's supposed to be about making connections and about, you know, uh about people uh connecting to each other. And I I think he is doing that. I I mean, I, I it can be argued about how effective it is, but I and how cheesy it might it might be, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean he he is doing that. That is part of what he is doing here, uh, and it's I I don't know I I I really don't know where I stand on this guy. I mean I I I think that I like what I've played so far. I am finding myself compelled to play more. So uh, whatever that says, um, there are things that have made me set the controller down and like stop for a second um the explanation of where the baby the bridge babies come oh, from boy. um yeah um so that was one of them uh but yeah i mean like that that it just this is a game that is really hard for me to kind of vocalize my feelings on especially given that i haven't as, finished as, it yet. As, um, as, a, as the father of yeah. a son who was born eight weeks premature that part disturbed me to my core honestly I'm sure <laughs> But I was just laughing before because when Ryan answered that question, I was like, is there anything about this that is just wholly a video game? And instantly, all three of us just started talking immediately because it clearly clearly has that. You know, there's there's been multiple moments where where from like I'll I'll build a road and then I'll 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 shut it off and I'll come back the next day. And it's like you received 
like 240,000 likes from people like, oh, my God, really? Like, I didn't realize that, you know, and, and like, it's not 240,000 separate people. You have to see the like system. It's a whole thing. Don't worry about it. But like, like people were interacting with my thing and I'm like, oh, that's you would never get that from anything else. But then there's also little touches like among the characters that you meet. So there might be like an outpost you go to like a um, famously now Jeff Keeley is in the game. And so he has this little mm-hmm. outpost that he has his own little thing. And and if you deliver um, stuff to him, he'll give you like a one star rating and then you can use his um you, you know, you can use his facilities to craft equipment. But if you keep doing things for him, and it's not story related, but you keep doing things for that facility, all of a sudden you'll be able to do more things there. Like you'll be able to sleep there, be able to rest there, you'll be able to uh, craft weapons there. But also on... T- Gives you a game yeah, award. Yeah, you get a game award. Uh, yeah, oh, jeez. Um, oh, that would be then, amazing. Yeah. That's a whole oh, other thing. Boy. Just level and, it up but, until there's a stage and then but on good top Charlotte of that, comes out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, if good Charlotte ends up in this game, game of the year. I mean, I would not... <laughs> completely surprised <laughs> no me either that outpost starts to gain personality there's holograms out to greet you there are like little things inconsequential not really contributing to the game itself but by making mm. those connections to those people those places start to get more familiar more friendly they have more benefit to go there and they get more personality like w- like one of them has holograms that are from horizon zero down out front so now i go up to this place that i've built up this relationship person and there's just a hologram tall neck from horizon zero down just walking by me <laughs> like little things like that that i just don't like the reason that's there is because i deliver that guy nine pizzas <laughs> i mean literally that's the reason that's there you wouldn't get that in any other medium you know what i mean and it's whether or not you want to take the time to get through the tedium to see that stuff. And I guess that's where the game is striking me the most is that I find myself yeah. wanting to go forward, but also being like, I don't have a five star rating with that guy yet. So or that lady yeah. who's a yeah, exactly. That's one of the factors for me is that there's so many little conversations and meetings that are incredibly inconsequential that you would in most other games just yawn, be like, whatever, give me my mission, go on. But because the pacing of this game is at times cripplingly slow, those conversations that you have with these outposts, as inconsequential as they are, are more impactful because it's the only interaction that you've had with anything or anyone in a period of time, which, you know, stems onto the whole loneliness aspect that Kojima has talked about in the game. And I think to some degrees, that impact only works in the video game medium because you're out there experiencing it, walking around, you've got the environmental sounds, every so often you'll get a bit of music and you'll be walking, you'll be slipping, you'll be rebalancing your package, you'll be trudging from A to B via wherever. Um, And then all of a sudden you'll have a conversation with someone, even though it's a hologram, and they'll be talking to you and they'll be actually having a conversation. You'll be like, and you'll be thinking, that's the only one I've had in the last two hours. Oh, that's the only one I've had in the last hour. And you think, well, that's... That's quite unusual in a game, that a game can be that brave that it'll take every aspect of storytelling away from you and just have you essentially walking with packages on your back as you're going to go and deliver them. And I think as a result, even relatively meaningless conversations mean more to you as the player because that's the first time you've actually got something coming back at you. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I, I can see where it would be a sticking point for a lot of people. Uh, for me, it wasn't. For me, I'm, yeah. I'm actually really enjoying doing a lot of the running back and forth between different settlements and everything. And it's, it's fun for me. But I, I, if you're, if you're not going in expecting that, then yeah, I, I can kind of see how it, uh, it would not resonate with some people maybe as much as it has, uh, with me. It, it's been a different experience because I, 
I don't usually get into games where I'm overly concerned about spoilers. Like I might not seek them out, but I wouldn't like completely avoid them, which is what I've been trying to do with Death Stranding. It just it seems like something that I would really want to experience for myself. And uh, I've I've been lucky in that I've been able to pretty much pull that off so far. Uh, maybe not completely, but uh, it, a lot more so than I, I was expecting to be able to with a, a game this size, yeah. um, which is good because uh, it's man, it's weird. It really is just bizarre. And I, I'm glad that I am, you know, getting the chance to uh, to do that for myself. And uh, it's working out pretty well so far. I've still got a long way to go. And uh, hopefully it continues to be a good trip. And this is this is a, a point that has been made probably more eloquently somewhere else. But I just love the idea that this game got greenlit by like with some serious investment behind it like like this is a risk i mean it's a risk for sony you know what i mean like this was one of their four they showed four games at e3 last year and this was one of them you know what i mean or two years ago excuse me last year they weren't there but um uh they like that was a like this is a big deal for them and at a point where one could say that xbox is it's it's certainly not going to beat the ps4 this generation but they're gaining ground i mean they're certainly gaining a lot of goodwill and this is a game that is controversial at best and and will have wide swaths of opinions based on it and for them to get behind it and throw money at it just because of this weird you know concept that kojima can do these kojima things like like i want to support this game not and i do like it i really do but even if i didn't like it i want games like this to get made you know what I mean? I want them like right. I want to see stuff like this because it's unique. It's not just something else. That you, I mean, even if it doesn't end up connecting with me, like even if I don't end up thinking positively on the whole, I've put 40 hours into this game. Like, so, I mean, I've I'm getting something out of it. I'm not sure what that is yet. And I hope <laughs> to find out. But it's 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 connecting on some level. Yeah, it's worth rewarding the company and the developer for even attempting it these days. All right. So I. uh I guess that's it. Uh, we've discussed all that we had to discuss. We are now off to uh, strap down our packages and continue along on the long trek that is end of the year 19. Uh, I'm so happy that we had the chance to do this. Uh, and I really appreciate uh, all of you joining me here today. So uh, uh, thank you, Brian. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you very much. And thank you, Carl. You've all been welcome. All right. So that is uh, session two of the Cane Rinse end of the year extravaganza. And um, stay tuned for more to come. There we go. Session two is complete. Thank you, folks, for contributing. Thank you, Ryan, again for editing. Mm -hmm. And we'll be back tomorrow with another daily drop. We'll see you then. Yeah.